What's in store for your business this week at Staples? Doing business like a CEO while saving like a CFO. Staples has all the supplies you need to run your business like a boss at prices that'll make your bookkeeper smile. Now that is an achievement. Everything from markers and pens to 2019 desk calendars. And right now, a 12-pack of Sharpie markers and an 8-pack of Expo dry erase markers are only $4.99 each. At Staples, where there's a whole lot in store. Ends one nineteen nineteen in-store only. The Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio is on the air. What is At Eye Level? A reductio ad absurd and look at the headlines from politics to pop culture, from the corporate to the individual. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we take a not-so-serious look at the serious issues of the day. Whether it's politics, economics, social issues, music, or old movies and TV shows, we discuss everything the corporate media overlooks while making you laugh at the absurdity of it all. Hell, you've got to have a sense of humor about life. Just look at the headlines. So join me, Matt G. And me, Doc Savage. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern as we navigate the sea of trolls, talking points, and trickery. We try to figure out a way to be there when tomorrow comes. At eye level. Bringing more to you. Only on Big Papa Network on Blog Talk Radio. Join us on Tuesday nights at 6.30 Eastern for an exploration of the many roads and messages which promise to lead us to the ultimate answer, a higher purpose, meaning of life. I'm just like a lot of you, a middle-aged mom with piles of laundry and a meditation practice. I've been down many roads to get where I am today, and my journey is far from finished. But I'd like to share my experience and hard-earned wisdom with you. So what is it about women and spirituality? It seems like we're always the first to try out something new. Christianity was spread in large part by wealthy women. And where would Uncle Al be without his scarlet women? Who is by and far the largest audience of New Age alternative spirituality? What is it about us that always has us seeking? And why does it always seem that men tend to take over what we discover? Join us for a dialogue between two long-lost friends representing both the yin and yang aspects of the whole, each of whom have traveled multifarious paths all across the spectrum of spirituality, the dark side and the light, from the organized to the out of the way. This show is for all those frustrated in their quest who've been through various thoughts on the spectrum of spirituality and found them ultimately unfulfilling. Join us for some hard-earned lessons and thoughts on potential new directions and possible value in what inevitably fails in organized practice, but which may have some merit to the solo practitioner and fellow seekers of truth in this journey towards light. Moving towards light. Lessons in life and spirituality from an unconventional seeker. Bringing more to you, only here on the Big Papa Online Network. On Blog Talk Radio. at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Tune in to Third Eye Cinema, your source for in-depth discussion of cult cinema with a focus on film that matters. Cult, grindhouse, drive-in, independent, and underground film from the dawn of the talkies through the early 90s. This is a forum where we explore genre film and music from around the world, in-depth conversation and career analysis with directors, actors, and musicians, and open discussion on films that matter, those that fall outside the mainstream corporate film by boardroom committee. These are the problems of the auteur, the visionary, the dreamer, the outsider. None of that direct that passes for mainstream film these days. 
This is all about the glory days of independent cinema from all over the world. Any of the hotbeds of obscure, oddball, or generally wild cinema available on DVD from the dawn of the medium to this very day. Join us as we delve deep into the cinematic netherworld here on Third Eye Cinema. Sundays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Big Papa Online Network on Blog Talk Radio. And now what you've all been waiting for. Wild and Wonderful in the World of Cult Entertainment. Drop in for a spell and join me, Doc Savage, and my co-host, Louis Paul, when he finally arrives, as we discuss the beloved, the hated, the weird, and the wonderful world of cult film, music, television, and more. This week, we're digging down for a new low. In Season 1, we've addressed some of the leading lights of Italian cult cinema, Argento, Falci, with the great Mario Bava and the man behind the Polizio Tecci on tap for this season. But there are many directors who fall between the cracks, as it were. Auteurs known best for their lack of inhibitions and willingness to jump on a popular trend and drag it down to new lows of seediness, bizarreness, even arguable haphazardness. We've already attempted to rehabilitate the reputation of Aristide Joe D'Amato Massachese. Can we possibly salvage the likes of Umberto Lenzi, Reno Di Silvestro, Bruno Mattei, Andrea Mario Bianchi, Renato Polzelli, Luigi Bastella, Sergio Garone, Alberto Di Martino, and to some extent, Sergio Martino? So join us tonight as we dig even deeper than usual and we tackle some of the seediest directors in Italian cult cinema for the week 14 Italian Sleaze. Uh, so my co-host has not arrived yet, so I will see if I can run something else while we wait for him to hook up. Let's see. My apologies. It's been a very discombobulating evening. Oh, yes, here he is. Uh, is, Speaking of Italian sleeves, here is the maven of sleeves himself. (laughs) My fellow uh, Paul. (laughs) Yeah, I, I I don't know what happened because we actually had a new way of doing things and right. uh, it did not work. Oh, so <laughs> amazingly, the old way of doing things worked tonight. Fascinating. We had tremendous so, trouble because the old way of doing things for the host only, not for the guests. Um, yeah, and technically the way the studio is set up, we don't have one person at a time, so you come in as the guest, uh, even though you are my co-host. Uh, so what happened is we could still get in through that old method. It's it's tricky. It's a stu- stupid thing they have set up. And for some reason they decided tonight that hey, we're not gonna <laughs> not gonna work for you. So uh, I was working on this for quite some time. I brought in my uh, tech guru wife, and she was working on it for quite some time. Uh, we had to kind of rush dinner at last minute while we were uh, trying to watch, and we'll probably have to rewatch uh, this week's Arrow, or I guess it was last week's Arrow, uh, the one with John Constantine in it, which I am very glad to see that he is still around and kicking, and hopefully we'll get that freaking Blu-ray out soon. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll get a second season. 
so that was basically rushing right up to the last minute. That's why I had to run a batch of <laughs> ads. I'm like, okay, we just putting the food away and trying to get things together here. So, lots of fun with oh, lots of yeah, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we, we weren't late. Um, I did try to get into the. We have a new system of doing things, guys. We don't get so tech, but um, and it worked fine last week. Uh, tonight it did not work at all. Tech kept kicking me out, and lo and behold, the old way of doing things worked. So we're here, and there there is lots of preparation for the show. I mean, um, just on a, a weekly basis. I mean, you do your thing, I do my thing. We mm-hmm. prepare for what we're going to talk about. And, uh, we only uh, sound totally anarchic. We do have experience with this stuff. <laughs> we we do have off. experience with this stuff, and you know, before the show starts... You know, it's a tradition for me. I have to put on the Rolling Stone shirt of the day and have <laughs> vodka. So, you know, I got to be prepared. And especially for this show, you need to drink. So, yeah. that being well, said. <laughs> I don't know if it showed, but every time you, I start the show, pretty much early on, you will hear on any of my podcasts, you will hear the wine cork pop. So, yes, it, it's true. If we do these shows, we definitely have to drink. We need it, both. Well, yeah, yeah. I hear clink, clink, uh, clinkling of uh, ice sometimes, but... Uh, I assume it might be something else, but anyway. no, no, I don't put ice in wine. That's that's kind of tacky. That's actually something else. That was some coffee that we we're finishing up with dinner. So that's how fast but we're here. Fine. We're here to entertain you all. Yes, we are. So uh, I already ran the intro while you were struggling to get in. So uh, I guess we can kick off with. Oh, wow, we're really starting a good one. The way I have this set up, uh, our pal Umberto Lindsay. Uh, now, uh, those of you who are familiar with Third Eye, the very first Third Eye Cinema podcast back, oh, uh, geez, I think it was in uh, three years ago, four years ago, um, was with Giovanni Lombardo Radice, better known to Italian film fans as John Morgan, uh, who was in a number of uh, the more famed, quote, extreme uh, gorehound-type flicks uh, from Italy at the time, uh, working for people like, you know, Fulci and uh, DiMartino, who we'll be talking tonight, and Lindsay, and uh, he was kind of all over the place. He was ubiquitous for a couple of years there. Uh, and the more extreme, the better. He worked for Margariti. Uh, and when he was talking, there were only two directors that he cussed out, and both of them we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh Mm-hmm. Lindsay was one of them. So if you want to hear some good stories about Lindsay, and then later, even worse, uh, DiMartino, who he had zero respect for, uh, <laughs> go back and listen to the very first uh, Third Eye podcast with uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice. It's it's a very entertaining. He's very uh, garrulous and amusing. Uh, some good stories in there, uh, and you will be sure to enjoy it. So anyway, um, is there anything you wanted to say about Lindsay in particular before we start digging into his filmography? Well, uh, actually, uh, I, I found him a, a fairly decent technician. You know, uh, he worked in a variety of genres. You know, he yes. he, uh, he he did that Euro spy thing in the sixties. Uh, actually, one of the, one of the ones he did, I actually quite like a a, a bit, not a lot, but a bit. That was a a o o eight operation Right. Yeah, yeah. But Alberto Lupo, who was another Italian comedian who tried to go the straight man route, and you know the these Euro spy things are popular at the time. It's a fun little movie. Um, he also dabbled in uh, 
I wouldn't say Peplum so much as adventure films. He did a couple, not too many, before he did <laughs> Let Them Die Slowly. <laughs> All right. So, uh, basically, just in terms of Lindsay, like you had mentioned, he had dabbled in a lot of genres. He did war films. He did oh, yeah. spy yeah. films. Uh, he did Sandican films. Uh, those even know those, with Steve Reeves and such. Um you know, criminal. Uh, those are into the uh, Fometti type films, like you know, satanic. Uh, they're very whatever. efficient. They're very efficient movies. I mean, you know, you you can't knock them. They do what they do. They're they're programmers, but they they they're fine films. I I again, as as I said before, I I, I don't think they're terrific movies, but they're certainly entertaining. But then here we get to the problem Eric problematic area with the <laughs> Cannibal Rome. Yeah. yeah, so after doing these things throughout the, actually from the 50s, he started in 58 straight to 69, uh, he actually did a couple of Jollos then. Um, he actually did several, uh, mostly with Carol Baker in the beginning, uh, who I can't stand. We talked about her previously. Uh, yeah, true. And, and, and actually, I, I think that's the best stuff he did, among the best stuff he did, was those Carol Baker movies. So, you know, regardless... Uh, I uh, Knife of Ice, Il Cotello di Giacco. Uh, I like that. Uh, so sweet, so perverse. I actually like that. You know, it's, yeah. So sweet, so perverse was his first one. You got uh, Baker and Jean Louis Trintignant of all people in there. Uh, those of you who don't know him from films like Le Biches and uh, Deathly Neg and God Created Woman, uh, he was all over the damn place. Um, and strangely, his character in this one was named Jean Renault. In other words, the way it's spelled, it's just like Janine Renault, who we talked about during the Franco films. Uh, Erica Blanc was in this, you know, from Devil's Nightmare, Kill, Bobby, Kill, uh, as his husband, his uh, wife, rather, Danielle Renault. You know, you know what he feel, though, as uh, what, what I, going back to what I just said a moment ago, he wasn't very efficient or entertaining when he tried his hand at uh, Poliziotti, the cop film. You know the, the cop thrillers. He, he just, yeah, the things he did there, they were just like subpar. We'll get to that soon because that's like the middle seventies. But uh, the trick with uh, Lindsay overall, until you get to the really extreme stuff, which I think is where he really excelled, uh, if you want to say that of him, because uh, that's already a stretch. The guy was very dry. I know a lot of people say, "Oh, these jobs are so great." And you got even more people that say, oh, it's police attention. This is some of the best of the genre. I do not think that. Um, they're okay. They're serviceable. But, you know, they're really kind of down there. The, the only one who did a police attention that I liked less, that's a name director, quote unquote, was Diodato. Uh, I think he did that. Was that Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man? Oh, that's, you know, the one with uh, Ray Lovelock. I love that, that movie. Do, do you like that? Show. I uh, a fucking great movie, man. And <laughs> I really like, like least, that movie. It's so violent. Big, yes, it is. It's violent as hell. It's, it's pushing Fulci territory, like when he did The Smuggler, uh, or Contraband, as it is on DVD. Uh, but it's, got it's not Little fun. or no redeeming qualities. Where did we yeah. get to that show, folks? Wow. <laughs> exactly. Well, you didn't want to do the Adonis. So, so see, I, I, I mean... There no, no. But I'm saying that movie... Has no redeeming qualities, 
but it's it's a hell of a cop film. Oh my god, uh, that's going to be a terrific but anyway, show. We'll, we'll talk with Jotesy in a couple of weeks. We've got that on the schedule. Uh, but anyway, with this one here, you got Horse Frank is in it. We talked about him a couple times. Uh, he's in actually. What, what I didn't get to mention since we didn't get to the actual spy films beyond Bond last week. Uh, my favorite of all Euro spy films, Thirteen Days to Die, with Serge Nubray. Uh, and Horace Frank was the What's one. That one? That's a good one. I love yeah. that film. I mean, yes, okay, I've got a connection to Serge Debray anyway from my bodybuilding days. He was definitely one of the guys we looked up to. Uh, you got but... the, you, you have the something weird uh, disc or yes. VHS? Yes. Okay. Uh, look, look on the back of it. Look at the. I'm the guy who wrote the freaking copy, ad copy. Of that. <laughs> good. <laughs> I'll give you the code so I know which weird names you're using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am uh, he. Helga <laughs> <laughs> uh, Linnae is also in this one from Vampire's Night Orgy, Horrorize, Mummy's Nasty, Mommy's Revenge, Lorelai's Grass from the Osorio, and Beryl Cunningham, a very pretty black girl who pops up in a lot of these things from the time, usually in British uh, uh, cult films, as uh, basically as a stripper. But, you know, the film still, So Sweet, So Perverse, it doesn't live up to his title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the 60s Jalos before you really had Argento kicking in with uh, Bourbon Crystal Plumage and such, they just aren't there. I mean, they're trying to be. It's, like, formative, but, yeah. Um, another one like that is Quiet Place to Kill uh, with uh, Carol Baker again and Jean Sorel, who was in Belle de Jour, Lizard Woman's Skin, Short of Glass Dolls, Trader Horn, uh, Louis Davila, who was in Espionage in Tangier, another uh, fun spy film. Orgasmo, uh, yes. Alberto Dalbez from Cutthroats 9, any of you are Code Red fans. Uh, Erotic Rites of Frankenstein, when we recommend we talk Franco. Murder Mansion, which is one of my favorite Spanish horrors. Uh, but eh, the one that I did like of his jollos a lot uh, was An Ideal Place to Kill. You know, well, Quiet Place to Kill, Ideal Place to Kill, all right. Also known as Dirty Pictures. Uh, I mentioned this previously when we talked about uh, films. That, that's uh, a twisted movie. I like that one. <laughs> First off, it doesn't have Carol Baker. All right, plus number one. Uh, number two, um, Irene Pappas is in it in her place in that basic role. As, you know, and those who saw Don't Touch Your Duckling uh, from Fulci would know that uh, when we talk Fulci. And Ray Lovelock is in it, like we were talking about just a minute ago, from films like, like Sleeping Corpses Lie, Murder Rock, the infamous Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. Uh, and my one of my... All time, uh, if you want, what would you call it? Crushes, I guess. Ornella Muti from uh, Flash Gordon and the Most Beautiful Interesting. Wife. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Totally, totally love that one. Uh, since I was a child, <laughs> you know, sitting on Flash Gordon. <laughs> uh, like, why is he even looking at this other one? It was like watching Buck Rogers on TV. At least there, Aaron Gray was half attracted. It was like, well, you've got Princess Adala throwing stuff at you. Why are you looking at this woman? Here in Flash Gordon, I was like, are oh, you serious, guy? Get over there. <laughs> He heard that little movie all hot for you, and he's going for, uh, I forgot what his name even was, that curly hair girl. Go, Flash, go. Oof, horrible. Anyway. You know, uh, I, I, I would love one day to do a show, two-hour show, just on Flash Gordon. It's like, how could you not like this movie? It's just like everything about it should movie. not work, and yet it does. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> One of my favorites, and actually that time was really kind of, uh, again, I hate that word, so so yuppified, iconic. Uh, some amazing movies were coming out that time. That was, uh, I think, the exact same year that I saw Conan the Barbarian in the theater. I saw Flash Gordon in the theater. I had just seen Moonraker, like, maybe the year before. Uh, 
There was a yeah. lot of stuff coming out at that time. Uh, even silly really? stuff like Treasure of the Four Crowns wasn't too far off. I mean, it's oh, the guys cool from the theater. Too. In yeah, the theater, yeah, that was fantastic. The damn guy yeah. put like, a polar snake out. We were sitting in the middle of the theater. I swear to God, I had my 3D glasses on. I looked up in the sky. I wasn't even looking that close to fit the screen. I looked straight up, and the thing was sticking over my head. And I'm like, how is this possible? Greatest 3D film ever. As a film on oh, yeah. DVD, eh, all right. <laughs> Tony Anthony is a sick, sick bastard, but, you know, he makes <laughs> great movies, man. <laughs> good, uh, good stuff. Yeah, and unfortunately, this is another. We digress. Our first time listeners, we have any first time listeners tonight? We tend to digress a little bit, but that's hey, that makes it half the fun. That's what Tony about. Anthony was in Brooklyn last week, I believe. Right. Uh, they were showing uh, Get Mean, one of the uh, Stranger related movies, one of the, his Western character Stranger films. Right. Uh, and I'm like, why are you in a bad neighborhood in the middle of Brooklyn? I really <laughs> want to go see Tony Anthony. He was introducing a movie, doing a Q and A, and I was like, "Oh man, yeah," but it's just like I could not make it, and it's it's a shame, you know. Like at least do Manhattan. I'm not one of these Manhattanites that, but I would, you know, for certain people, I would go out of the way, you know. But yeah, sure. uh, but not so. And yeah, for those of you who it is your first week, if there is anybody out there, uh, consider this like my dinner with Andre because the two of us are well-seasoned in the world of cult entertainment, film, music, you name it. Uh, And we do really tend to digress on whatever subject catches our fancy. And, you know, hopefully you'll pick some stuff up because we go quite far afield from the intended topic. Um, We make it fun. (laughs) That's right. It's loads of fun. (laughs) Uh, I enjoyed listening back to him. My wife's laughing. And like, good stuff. Anyway, uh, so I still think that that's his best film, Ideal Place to Kill, Dirty Pictures. Uh, basically, these two hippie types go there. They're trying to make money selling pornographic pictures of themselves, and then they end up in this house with this rich woman, which is usually kind of like the Carol Baker role, but you know, Carol Baker's so unappealing. The fact that she's not there makes this work. Uh, and... <laughs> You know, basically they end up in a three-way with her, and she kind of like has to keep them around. And then they end up more or less, you know, using her blackmail on her, getting her hooked on drugs, whatever the hell else. And then there's some twists and turns because it's a Jalo. A really, really good, really perverted movie. Lots of fun. Um, then he did another one, which probably everybody knows, which is Seven Bloodstained Orchids. It's all right. You know, it's got Antonio Sabato in it from uh, Al Brush's War of the Robots, Gang War in Milan, and uh, Berta DiMattino's Crime Boss. Uh, Ushi Gloss is in it from uh, a couple of Edgar Wallace films, Gorilla Gang and College Girl Murders. We'll be talking Edgar Wallace films. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, Marina Malfatti. Uh, I forget what her real name was, uh, but she, in, in terms of like film names, uh, she was in Lady in Red Kill Seven Times, and then it came out of the grave. All the colors. Marissa of, Mel's in this, too. Marissa Mel, yep. Uh, anybody who doesn't know her, forget about it. <laughs> uh, everything from Jalos to uh, what, what was the Mario Baba film that she did? Uh, not criminal, oh, Danger uh, Diabolic, yeah, Diabolic, right? And eventually on the porn. <laughs> Which yeah, you know, I I have to say something. I'm, I've been reading a certain person's new book on uh, Giallo films, mm-hmm. and I'm very very. Fucking frustrated with this book <laughs> yeah. because uh, we spent a little bit of time talking about the movie and a lot of time talking about like Joe Smith was an actor and his brother was his sister and you know bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. I think there was a, a movie I was just reading a review of Marissa Mel and she had a very particular part and she went on to do like dude don't you at least go to IMDb don't you know anything about these people 
It's like it's a well known fact that she posed for very explicit Italian uh magazines. Um, well, that she made films. <laughs> and films. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I I've not seen the films, but I've seen the no, shots of explicit stuff, uh yep. the magazines. Um um so it's like whoa. Uh but I think she, she, she hit some, some hard times, you know, yeah. people do. And uh um, but I'm like, I was like shocked, like you don't fucking notice. But uh, that's actually I, what I, I was talking I about. I did want weeks to back. get you off. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh yes, we were both talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we because I was going to say, we were talking about a couple weeks back about how, uh, and I think that was part that we ended up fixing when we did the Franco uh, re-edit there that became the three-hour final part. <laughs> Those of you who haven't heard our three shows on Franco. Uh, but we were talking on the original show about you know books that are out there, film books, and how much the quality of these sort of things, the, the, the timber, the caliber has declined radically. Uh, in the age of the internet, I mean, people are writing stuff that they really don't know or have any connection to, and it's just kind of like half of it is psychobabble because they're doing it as like you know graduate theses for film studies or some crap, uh, and the other half is just like, well, yeah, we can get this off of freaking IMDb. Who cares? <laughs> they have nothing to offer. They're just frustrating. I, I, and I have to say, I have to say, I have to say, and this is the not safe for work part of the show, guys. It's fucking obvious to me. I'm sorry, people. But it's fucking obvious to me when you 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 you're synopsizing something. I'm like, wait a minute, this is the same movie I just read three pages back. You don't know it's the same movie? Exactly. I I I, I don't do this because I I really get anal about this kind of thing. I've been taking notes reading this particular certain book right now. Yeah. Um, and I I I, I I'm like I don't want to do this on Amazon. I really don't, because I don't want to hurt anybody. I know, you know, I know I'm sure there's some good, solid stuff in here. I haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> but, uh, in this particular book I'm reading, I'm like, somebody really fucked up. Um, I already read at least two reviews of what somebody assumed is two different movies, but they're the same movies. So, obviously, I'm saying, wow, you didn't need to see these movies, or you got totally confused. Yeah. And um, there's no... Uh, editor uh, slash. Oh yeah, uh, bad spelling, bad grammar. It's like it's amazing some of the stuff I got. I, yeah. I'll give you. I have a, a set of books. I actually stopped buying film books consciously because I got sick of getting so many bad ones. Yeah. Um, of the last like two or three years, I've got a pile of them. You know, I'll sell them to you dirt cheap because it's just crap. <laughs> I mean, seriously. And I keep film books that I have from the seventies, where you know you're just kind of getting like you know the card catalog sort of information, but they're better written, more intelligent books, and you learn more from them. These kids, I don't know what the hell the deal is. It's just why are these fuckers making money off of this? It's just disgusting. Anyway, <laughs> well, some some not kids, yes, but anyway, um, you know, uh, I was. I'm, I'm looking at my notes, and we're talking about Lindsay, and I and I realize it reminded me uh, he did do. I mentioned a okay Euro spy movie, but he did do one of my one I'm very fond of, which was the Spy Who Loved Flowers. Okay. Uh, with the uh, Roger Brown, it's really it's a lot of fun, and uh, Roger Brown was a uh, he 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 did a lot of Puplum, uh, sword and sandal folks, uh, and he. You know, graduated to to uh, Euro Spy Flicks and the Spy Who Loved Flowers. Uh, don't even ask me about the Italian title, <laughs> but it's it's close. Um, 
It's a very enjoyable film, and it's got great cast. Uh, the, you know, he goes to Yoko Tani's in it. Right. Um, if anyone who uh, frequented uh, short and sandal films, I hate using that term, but you know, just to make it easier on everybody. And uh, Euro Spy, Yoko Tani was the frequent Oriental uh, villainess or love interest, depending where we're going. Right. And the movie also featured the amazing Salvatore Borghese. <laughs> who we'll get to tonight, yes. Yeah, so we'll get to tonight. <laughs> See, I like to do this in a roundabout way. I made a connection. <laughs> yes. So anyway, I will slightly jump around here because what happened is uh, Lindsay started experimenting with genre again around this point. So his last two Jollos, which were not consecutive, uh, were Knife of Ice, which you had mentioned. Again, Carol Baker, so it doesn't work for me. It's almost like instantaneous. Carol Baker's in it. Ah, forget it. Uh, Ida Gali, who is better known as Evelyn Stewart, was in it. Um, she was in like stuff like The Psychic and Night Child, Syndicate Sadist, Queens of Evil, Weekend Murders. Uh, and then he does... What I really think is his, uh, not necessarily his best, because the other one that I mentioned earlier, uh, Ideal Place to Kill, is much better, but one of his most entertaining uh, giallos, which is kind of bordering on just straight-up sleaze, uh, Eyeball. <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, uh, that film is something else. And for some reason, it's still not on DVD. I got it on VHS. I am desperately waiting for somebody to put out a nice, you know, uncut, clean copy of this thing. Uh, Martin Brochard is in it from The Violent Professionals. John Richardson from stuff like Torso, Black Sunday, The Church, Murder Obsession, Brushes, War of the Planets. Myrtha Miller's in it from Dracula's Great Love, again, talking Nashy films. Sylvia Solar, like when we took the French and Eurocenes. You know, she was in stuff like Devil's Kiss, Campbell Terror, World First the Yeti. Um, the film is just pure cheese. I, is this the one? Because there's one thing that I like to harass my wife with all the time. Because there's somebody that's warbling away in a nightclub. It's a black girl who ends up getting killed afterwards, uh, I think, in the bathtub. And I'm almost positive this is Eyeball. And there's this horrible, horrible song that whoever wrote this, even if it was for a joke, should be shot. Uh, it's the worst. Get stuck in my throat, and it's literally like that. She's marbling worse than uh, you know what's her face, Melanie singing "Brand New Key." She jumps through so many keys with this thing, totally tone deaf woman. Uh, and of course, you know it's a nightclub act, so they all applaud. And I was I was very grateful when the person, you know, the killer killed her afterwards in the bathtub. Uh, it might so, be this movie. I think I yeah. recall something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might be this movie. I, it's you have to hear the song to believe it, but yes. Uh, so anytime something comes up that's kind of sentimental, I start doing the words get stuck in my throat. It's kind of shaggy voice like that, and my wife's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> well, you know it, the, the the problem with this movie is uh, as sleazy as it is, and it is nineteen seventy five. So, and it's, it reminds yeah. you of so, but not as classy. If you can believe that, of course. <laughs> it's got a labyrinthian plot, which is funny because the the English translation of the Italian titles "Red Cats and the Labyrinth of Glass." Okay, right. uh, um, whatever that means. <laughs> whatever that means. You know, you got a bunch of people. You got your. They're on a bus suspects, tour. But what was it? A priest? A. a they're on a bus tour. You got a priest. You got. They go to a strip club, like I mentioned. There's like a, they're on a bus tour. They've got yet young. I think they're lesbian girls. I mean, it's just an amazing assortment of people that you, you got would the never horny find. Wine. You'd never find them anywhere together unless it was Devil's Nightmare all over again. <laughs> or unless you're on a really fun bus tour. Yes. Yeah. 
I want to go on that bus tour. It was fun. <laughs> this film is amazing. But go ahead if you want to finish out the plot because it's, just, well, it's no, such a no, no. yeah. It's well, no, I don't want to really get into it too much. But you know, yeah. it's 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 eons above headless eyes, which is the cheesy U.S. movie. I like um, but yeah. Yeah, well, no, so much. You know, a few minutes, that's enough. Um, you see it once, you never want to see it again. Um, I could probably watch, and I think I have watched this a few times over the years, but not too recent. But uh, I mean, If Lindsay didn't have so many shitty yet entertaining films in his filmography, I would say this was my favorite, but it's not. It's just like a really fun, yeah. high between Jalo and Slee's film uh, that I really hope somebody gets on the stick and puts on DVD and Blu-ray now. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point you brought up. I completely forgot that it has not come out, and uh, yeah. I'm actually surprised. Maybe people this, forgot about it. Amok, which, okay, Bill Norton also put it on a code red thing, but it's like edited and chopped up, and it's a horrible shape. That doesn't count. <laughs> Somebody put out a real copy of that. Uh, there's not that many of the important "quote unquote" jollos that haven't come out yet, but so I'm amazed that this is one of the few. Um, but anyway, that was pretty much it for him on jollos. So now he starts messing around with other stuff. So one being the police Apache, which we will get to in a couple of weeks. Uh, one of them was Gang War in Milan with Antonio Sabato and Philip Leroy and Marissa Mel, who we mentioned That's earlier. Well, if we could say more tolerable ones, yes. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Um, yeah. He did the Manhunt, which I forget what the retitling of it was, with Henry Silva and Luciana Paluzzi. Um, let's see, he did Syndicate Sadists, which I think may be one of his. I hate to say better ones, but it's more watchable. Uh, with it's Musk more and watchable. And, and, and yeah. that one, uh, uh, not Al Adamson, uh, Sh- uh, Sam Sherman for Independent International, recut the hell out of that for the yeah. American market. And it's like a different movie. You watch that, and then you watch the uh, the as close as you can to the Italian version, and it's like, what is this? This is not yeah. That, that Tim Sherman one was unbelievable. But you know, he did that. You know, we're talking about a guy that worked with Al Adamson a lot. So the the yeah. equivalent nowadays for more recent uh, cult film fans would be like a Godfrey Ho film. You know, just yeah. chopping the shit out of stuff and throwing any old thing in. Or another guy like that, my pal, um, what's his name, Randall, Dick Randall, same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pulling stuff from any old damn place just to make a sure. movie out of it somehow. So, totally understandable there. But anyway, it's a decent film, and you've got uh, Joseph Cotton's in it, uh, Femi Benoussi's in it from uh, Strip New for Your Killer, Hatchet for Honeymoon, Bloodsucker Leaves a mm-hmm. Dance, uh, Shirley Corrigan's in it from Dr. Jekyll and the Werewolf, the aforementioned Devil's Nightmare, Four Flies on Grey Velvet. Um, you know, he does a couple more after this, you know, Roma, Armed to the Teeth. With uh, Maurizio Merli, who, okay, look, I love Franco Nero. I loved, uh, you know, all these other guys that are the, the head, whatever is of uh, Polizio Tesci, you know, Thomas Milian, uh, you know, one after the other, right. you see these guys recurring in these roles. But the best one, if you want, or the worst one, depending on how you look at it, he's kind of like the Charles Bronson of uh, Polizio Tesci, Italian uh, cop films, Maurizio Merli. This guy who sort of looks like – I think they picked him because he kind of looked like Franco Nero. But he's it, like yeah. a, a hard right psychopath that he's just got these like beady little like blue eyes. He's like nuts. You know, he reminds me of uh, that fella – but that guy was much more easygoing. The one that worked with Dick Randall all the time. What was his name? John Harrison or something? The, the one that was always in the like the ninja movies in the early days? Oh, uh, Richard, Richard Harrison. Richard Harrison, yeah. yeah. But a thicker, like a thicker like version. That. 
thicker. Kind of looks like that, yeah. but yeah, like you said, bigger, beady-eyed, hard right, and just kind of nuts. You could tell he actually believed in this stuff. So I guess if you cross Bronson with Chuck Norris, but without the kung fu and you know pharmacop films, here you go. Uh, well, there, and, there's there's some really good backroom on Maurizio Merli and uh, that excellent, excellent um, uh, documentary on these kind of movies that uh, is available on DVD. Um, it did get a very short theatrical. I highly recommend it. Uh, we'll, well, I'll shoot my co-host the info on this. I think you should watch it before we do that show. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that more on that show because right now I can't remember what it is in my bookshelf as far away. <laughs> yeah, Merrily was interesting because I mean, besides what we just talked about, he actually died fairly young. Uh, he he was yeah. kind of in his prime with these films, more or less. I mean, yes, the genre was kind of petering off, and they were getting ready to move on to different stuff, you know, zombie films and other cult uh, trends that he kind of jumped on. But it was still kind of going strong. You, know, you could still get some more films out of the guy. But well, he I died on a tennis court. Yeah, he was, he was like playing Mar- tennis, and he had a heart attack. I'm like, really? <laughs> I, I like Maurizio much, much more than I liked um, the uh, Cuban, Italian, American-born, um, you know, thinking of. Um, probably. Or are you talking about the other yes. fellow? No, no, yeah. yes, it's, it's, it's him. And, yeah, yeah, no, Merrill is much better, no question. Now, Merrill, yeah. like I said, I, I love Franco Nero, but I thought he was better in these things than Franco Nero because he believes in it. He's like a psycho. <laughs> He's like, yes, I'm going to cleanse the world of evildoers. I'm like, okay, sure, buddy. Well, we, we uh, have some other directors to get to, but I wanted to jump to some of Lindsay's uh, extreme movies. Yeah. So that was basically, we, we were close to the end there. So he was in Bowman uh, to the Teeth, Violent Naples, and then we start doing the extreme movies like you're talking about. So, first of all, and actually there was one more Jello that we didn't mention, but it's not really worth mentioning, which was Spasmo. <laughs> he done Spasmo, I think, or Gasmo. They were, they were like a big joke that he, that he uh, rhymed. But it's just kind of dull, you know, like a lot of his Jellos. Um, did you think much of that one? It had uh, Susie Kendall in it. Uh, Ivan Rasimov was in it, but eh. Well, it's got a lot of people that were in much better films uh, uh, for other directors. Uh, you know, Susie Kendall, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Robert Hoffman, we talked about recently. He was in another film for somebody else. And um, it's not horrible. It's no. kind of dull. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of dull. dull. It's kind of like, uh, it's like it's in your collection because you like to have every Jallo you've heard about. or uh, But it's totally one you're going to very really return to. Now, what happens with Lindsay at this point is he goes off and starts doing cannibal films. Now, he had already done one. He actually kicked off the cycle, more or less, with um, a film called Deep River Savages, Man from Deep River, back in 1972 with Mimi Lai. And um, who the hell was in that? Was that uh, – ooh, I can't remember who the star was. Do you have it offhand? Uh, I can picture him. Yeah, the guy with the uh, – a beard and a mustache, and he's kind of skinny, but that's, that's, I don't remember what the hell his name was. Uh, not that memorable otherwise. It was kind of a takeoff on a, a man called Horse, but not quite as, you know, it, it's Italian, so it's got more of that uh, cheese factor. It's, it's shocking, though. It's still shocking. Uh, Deep River Savage still has some shocking moments. And uh, I think last year I met Mimi Lai uh, in, uh, in New Jersey, and uh, She's so sweet. She she looks fantastic, you know. And yeah. you know, Mimi Mimi Lai works in 
you know, a lot of British TV now and shit like that, which I had well, no idea. She was in some of the British Slap and Tickle films when we talked about yes, those. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. Uh, we did talk about those. Um, but it was but, funny that Mimi Lai had these really extreme uh, stills uh, on her <laughs> table. And I was like, would you like me to sign one of these? They're very cute British accent. Very nice. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, no. What am I going to do with that still? It's I've gross. had problems like that at shows when I used to go to those things. Um, people like John Morgan, like I mentioned earlier, everything was with him getting murdered in some horrible fashion. I'm like, what the hell? Did, did you do something to deserve this? He's like, I must have been a terrible person. But it happened a lot. I mean, yeah. I've had people where, um, who the hell was that girl? Uh, now I'm losing her name. Uh, Marissa Longo, that was it. And the best thing she had there was a picture from her and Elsa Fraulein SS. I'm like, I, I'm like afraid to hang the damn thing. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, you know, I met her, so I was like, okay, I got a autograph. But, hey, they, they could bring something a little less extreme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like, how about something smiling? It doesn't have to be revealing. You know, it could be yeah. like something. And if they do do that, they bring like a recent headshot. I was like, well, nobody knows what you look like now unless they've met you. So why wouldn't you have something from, you know, back in the day when people were like, okay, they know you from these movies. Here's like a normal shot of you doing whatever, you know, on set or something. Right, right, right. And, uh, got to be them getting murdered. It's got to be them as a Nazi. It's got to be them as like, oh, come on, really? <laughs> but anyway. But, but the can- Cannibal Pharrell, though, which was the... the the... Well, you forget, he actually did the year before that. He did Eaten Alive, so he was still doing oh, Cannibal Pharrell. I'm sorry, I did. Yes, I forgot Bob that. Kernan, who was better known to uh, porn fans as Arbala, or Baller, or whatever the hell, uh, who was well, in, uh, what the hell was that film, uh, Debbie Does Dallas, and things like that. Uh, he's in this in one of his few straight roles. He did a couple, and he's in Diodato's film as well. Uh, Mimi Lies in yeah. Mimi Lies in it once again. Um, oh, and I oh, thought of the film she was in All Pair Girls, and she'll follow him anywhere uh, for the British Slap and Tickles. Uh, and, of course, films like Crucible of Terror and uh, Jungle Holocaust, which is like Diodato uh, and Man from Deep River here. Uh, Mel Ferrer is in the damn thing. Ivan Rasima, Paolo Senatore, who we talked about with uh, Joe D'Amato films. Uh, right. Some stuff like you know, Emmanuel America, I mean, she's a convent. She did some hardcore stuff. Uh, and Janet Ogren, who was in uh, Fulci City Living Dead, and of all things, Red Sonia. <laughs> uh, so that was more of like, because uh, it's 1980, so we just had the Jim Jones thing. So af- right after that, you had things like, you know, Guyana Cult of the Damned or whatever. So capitalizing on this and then mixing in cannibals just to make it even more crazy, you have Eaten Alive. So that's kind of what that film is. Uh, but then, of course, he does uh, Cannibal Fair Rocks, which is honestly, if you're going to say cannibal films are watchable at all because you know they're always going to be gruesome, there's always going to be body horror, there's always going to be some distasteful you know, animal slaughter thing, which is one of uh, a lot of people's problems with it, including uh, Giovanni's uh, when I talked to him, uh, that you know he's actually doing this shit on screen like a Mondo film. Um, and really, there's no call for it. There was no reason to do that. You know, if you could do these gross up things, he's doing all these special effects for people and whatever. You have to really go kill a freaking animal just because you can. Uh, so there's problems with the films in themselves per se. Uh, and it's not just Diodato, because everybody accuses Diodato right away. It was just kind of part and parcel of this subgenre, if you will. Most of which, as you see, were done by Diodato and Lindsay. Uh So therefore, it's really kind of the two of them. 
but if you get beyond that shit, it's actually the my favorite. Forget about you know Cannibal Holocaust. It's kind of distasteful, and yeah, okay, it's trying to make a message, but it's kind of confused and whatever else. This is a much more watchable, much more Italian-esque, much more funny film. I mean, there's bad dialogue. There's this whole thing about, you know, there's half the film set in New York City, and there's these drug dealers running around and ma- making weird swear words to people. Like, what, do you remember what the guy, that the blonde must, the blonde guy with the mustache uh, kept calling the woman? It was some kind of horrible, stupid-ass slur like you never heard in your life. Um, you know, like I don't know what gravity tits. You know, <laughs> is that kind of yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, weird like that, yeah. Funny, funny shit. You sit there watching, like, really? This guy just said, and he repeats like eighteen times. Um, and you've got this whole business with these. Obviously, you know, some junkie goes and steals the drugs, and then the the drug lords are after him, and then his girlfriend, and she goes to you know whatever the hell is the Amazon, and it's just ridiculous. Uh, Giovanni Lombardici obviously is in this one, uh, and we talked about him earlier. But City of Living Dead, House on the Edge of the Park, Cannibal Apocalypse, Stage Fright for Mikel um, uh, Suave, uh, and The Sect. Uh, Lorraine DeSella, who we talked about, he loves her, uh, who was in uh, House on the Edge of the Park, and Madness, also known as uh, Vacanze, per, I forget what the hell it was, for DeLeo, Fernando DeLeo. It was the one film DeLeo did that was not a police attache, basically. Uh, and it had uh, your pal in it. Um, what's his name there? Joe Sandro's in that film. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that film. It's just so ridiculous. Uh, it's one of those siege things, but you know, it's got Joe Sandro on it. So how seriously can you take it? No. <laughs> um, Zora Karova is in it. Another one who I met, and it, that was another one that was hard to get a picture where she wasn't like hanging from her boobs or some crap uh, from this film. Uh, House of the Laughing Window. She was in True Story: of The Nun of Monza for uh, Matei. Uh, Anthropophagus for um, D'Amato. Warriors of the Wasteland. Um, Bobby Kernan's in it again. Uh, Ventatino Ventanini, you know, big player that's always in these things. It's just a fun film. It's got a great funky soundtrack. Um, honestly, if they had taken the heavy gore out of it and just made it more of like, you know, an R-rated uh, Skinamax type um, action movie, if you will, this would be like, everybody would say how great this film is. Oh, wow, this thing's a, it's one of those horrible films that you like hate but you love at the same time. You know, great thing all around, except the fact that it's distasteful because it's got all this cannibal shit and animal slaughter and God knows what else. Uh, and, you know, Radicic is this crazy over-the-top performance because uh, he's getting more and more coked out and more and more violent. Um, I think he was after Theodato with Cannibal uh, Holocaust, so therefore it was copying parts of that. But yet it's more ridiculous and dayglow, if you will, you know, for a cannibal film. It's, it's, you're kind of grading on a weird scale here. Right. Uh, so for something that's this extreme and this distasteful, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Whereas, you know, you see Cannibal Holocaust, like, ugh. And you watch some of these other cannibal films, bar maybe eating alive because it's so strange with the Jim Jones thing, and you're like, ah, oh, jeez, really? Whereas Ferox is the fun one, if you will. Uh, again, it's like Eyeball. Distasteful, sleazy, disgusting, but fun. <laughs> if, you can, if you can put that together. Um, is there anything you wanted to mention about this one, since you wanted to get through it so quick? Oh, I don't think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking fun, but... It's it's certainly distasteful. Um, I'm sitting there laughing my ass off. It's fun. <laughs> but, well, no, but but no, you got it. You you brought up a very good point though. It's probably one of the more tolerable, therefore yes. easy to take in terms of excessive uh, visual elements 
going on in this film. I'm trying to be nice to everybody here. Um, it's a rarity. <laughs> and and uh, so I have to agree with you. Yes, I would say out of the entire cannibal genre, yeah. and I'm sure there are people right now that are like masturbating to the Diodato shrines in their homes, um, <laughs> that uh, this is one of the better ones. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's men. It's in terms of what went down with animal stuff. It's minimal, and in terms of the gore, it's apparent. I mean, it's there. Yeah. But because it's so, well, that's crazy, and it's a little bit plays loosey goosey with a lot of stuff, and it's ridiculous. Um, the Lindsay, the you know, I mean, taken as a duo, the Lindsay uh, cannibal films are like if you're gonna watch one, watch these and. Yeah. Um, not that I'm recommending them. No, these but, are not films you're going to show on a date. These are not films you really want to show to a woman or anybody of sensitive temperament at all. Right, right. Like, yeah, if like, you're like a diehard gorehound and shit, then here, this is the ones to go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You won't, you won't, you won't, you won't have to distribute the the vomit bags. Um, <laughs> I mean, and this is also like not the holiday party movie either. It's like, hey, man, I heard you guys like Italian art. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put on, let them die slowly. Yeah, no. Crazy movie. Have them sitting there in the cage uh, with the cellar going, singing Red River Valley. (laughs) 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 What do I say, that? Hey, family, here we go. It's dinner time. Let's put on Make Them Die Slowly. (laughs) What kind of movie is this? Oh. oh my God! Did she, did she hang there from hooks? What is this? <laughs> no, no. Jesus goes to the river, and then when Jesus goes to the river, many exciting adventures will befall him. Really? Uh, okay. You uh, see that magic dust uh, that the that fellow is uh, putting up his nose? That, that that's like you know spiritual powder, and it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah. See. <laughs> yeah, you can get by on this one. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like Indiana Jones because you know when they have the monkey brains, instead it's like you know they chop the head off the of uh, what, uh, Mike was his name in the role. <laughs> his brain. Crazy, crazy. Uh. Film something else. Uh, but anyway, so like I said, we're grading on a very, very relative scale here. But in terms of cannibal films, it's definitely my favorite uh, yeah. and easiest to swallow, if you will. Uh, he also did a film in the middle of this that was a kind of zombie film. Uh, it was one of my first exposures to him beyond you know stuff like Eyeball. Uh, and it's Nightmare City. It was probably oh, the first. The, yeah. the first of those ones where you have the, quote, fast zombies, which kind of became a plague in recent years, uh, because zombies are really supposed to shuffle and are supposed to run like hell and use machine guns and shit. But when you see Nightmare City and when you see Zombie 3, you're like, oh, this is great. You know, nice, nice different, you know, weird option. I'm enjoying this. After that, it becomes like, oh, come on. This is not a fucking zombie film. This sucks. Uh, but... For this one here, it's loads of fun. Hugo Stiglitz is in it, who was in the film where I was just talking about Guyana, Cult of the Damned, uh, and actually a couple of other um, – who was the uh, Mexican director? Rene Cardona, Jr. Quintarera, uh, yes, Night of a Thousand Cats, uh, Cemetery of Terror, Treasure of the Amazon, uh, all those films this guy was in. Uh, Francisco Rabal, who was in Dagon, you know, he's the old drunk that uh, told the the Jeffrey Combs wannabe about the about the town of Innsmouth. Uh, Mel Ferrer is in it, 
it's fun. Uh, my favorite, again, it's like the kind of bad, uh, this is humorous, but it's not supposed to be, so therefore I love it. Uh, like the aerobics class, and then all of a sudden the zombies bust in. There's like a TV newscast, and then the zombies bust in. I mean, it's just one of those things you watch. It's almost like a party film. You sit there, you get drunk, you have a couple friends over, and you just start roaring and throwing shit at the TV. Uh, it, that kind of a thing. Like like Pieces, if you ever saw the Pieces DVD, and they've got the audience uh, soundtrack, and they're all laughing their asses uh-huh. off, and somebody says a line or does something extreme. Same idea. Um he then did some strange stuff. Wait, uh, uh, I wanted to say I had I, I have to I have to. Uh, uh, this movie, also known as City of the Walking Dead in the U.S., yeah. uh, I have an experience with this movie. Okay. When it first came out, I was uh, I was living in Brooklyn, yes, Brooklyn, and there was a funky movie theater on Fort Hamilton Parkway in Brooklyn. For those of you who know Brooklyn. And I was by by that time. What year are we talking about? Eighty. That was eighty. Eighty. It, this theater was cut into two, and so it was very dark. It was very dark. It was very cold. I think it was in the fall, early winter. And so I'm watching this movie. It's very effective when you you know, guys. You got to remember, you see these things in the movie theater. So so different when you see them on video and DVD. Yes. I mean, that's what much bigger impact. That's, yeah, that's why they work. And, um, you know, when you're, <laughs> you've got the lights on in the living room, you're watching something, you know, things tend to, well, it doesn't work. Well, of course not. You know, but, so when you're in the theater, so anyway, what's my experience with this movie? I'm watching this in a nearly empty movie theater. It's very cold. And this big fucking rat the size of a big dog <laughs> walks across the stage. Back in those days, when you had a, an old, old-fashioned old movie theater, the screen yeah. was there, and there was a stage. Because they yep. used to do live shows, too. And there was this big rat. I was like, ah! <laughs> and so it pissed me out. Like, well, that I don't know. Because, you, getting, well, you know, I'm getting, I'm in your hometown... Up. In your yes. hometown, there is or there was a theater there. Now I believe it got – first they put in uh, – they joined with the Indian theater there. It was local, and then they think they got rid of it or uh, you know, somehow they gentrified it. But at one point, it was an old Sony theater that kind of fell into disrepair, and whoever had taken it over – was doing basically dollar movies, and we would go there all the time and watch any old freaking movie that came out. This is probably this is around the time, um, just to place it in the timeline, when Catwoman came out because that was one of the films we saw there for a bit. Where, 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 what home? Uh, Jersey. Or, yeah, where you are. Oh, uh, Jersey City. Okay. Oh okay, yeah, I didn't even want to say that, but okay, yes. Wow. Uh, I don't have any <laughs> Uh, we try to be a little bit discreet here, but yes, that's exactly where it was. Yeah, um, if you want to stalk me, like offer me money, that's okay. But, <laughs> but it was. With the good thing about it was, it was like a grindhouse theater, and right. what happened is, you know, you go in there. First off, they had escalators that were broken down, didn't work. They had theaters that were permanently quote under repair. Oh, I know what you're talking about. The, I know what you're talking about. The curtains yeah. were all like ripped down. And we would go there, and a lot of times we go there during the day, you know, because like a lunch hour kind of thing. And there'd be like day laborers that would come in and like curse at the screen. And we we saw the original Fantastic Four movie there, and the one was like, so Jessica Alba comes, she goes, Dominicano, and like spits in the screen and leaves. I mean, this is the kind of stuff you're hearing. People sleeping in the aisles next to you. Uh, one time, one of the day laborers came in. It was a hot day, and he threw up all of the seat in front of him and left. I mean, it, oh. this kind of stuff. 
it was a great grindhouse type experience. People yelling and hooting at the things when they're there. Oh, uh, I think that was on Summit Avenue. I think that one, one. time. Okay. One time we're there, and someone would go, oh, oh, and jumped out of her seat. There's a rat down there. And sure enough, there's a big-ass rat running down the bottom. We just laughed. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Far but this gone. was a big rat, and this was oh, a was. big rat. And this movie and this movie really was freaking me out. And, and, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, you got all the, you know, it's like an ingredient thing. You know, it's dark. It's cold. You're one of the few people in there. You're getting immersed in the movie, and all of a sudden you see this thing, and then you're thinking, is that going to come across? Is it going to bite me? Right, wow. right. You don't want to be down no. by it, but where we were, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's not going to come up here. <laughs> we'll see it, it coming. It was big. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I always liked this movie. Fast, fast, fast it's it's absurd. It's, you know, fast, oh, yeah. Fast walking, fast running, uh, zombies. And it's there's got, some beautiful locations. There's this like, one woman that's they're rich, yeah. basically. It's kind of this thing, uh, almost like a class war type thing. And there's this one woman here who's out, and she's gorgeous anyway. And she's got a house that's like out in the middle of the freaking field somewhere. It reminds me sort of the one from Blade in the Dark, uh, the Lombardo yes. Baba film, uh, but right. nicer and more isolated. And, of course, you know, nonetheless, the freaking zombies are coming out there. Nice, nice, uh, funny, uh, nice locales. There's a bit with a jet plane at the end where they, basically the zombies come pouring out of the plane. I mean, ridiculous. A fun movie. And like I said, the zombies use machine guns. Uh, <laughs> there's a bit on the uh, abandoned amusement park, and they're going around like the Ferris wheel with the zombies chasing them. I mean, really? How can you go it's wrong absurd. with that? It's absurd. It's absurd. It's surreal. But yep. actually... In a way, it kind of works in its own macabre way. Um, uh, Nat Thompson, uh, who does uh, the Mondo Digital site, and he publishes right. those books, he also, I think he also said similar things along the lines yep. that we're talking about tonight about that same film. I mean, if you see it through the, never forget these it. eyes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a highly enjoyable experience. And possibly an unsettling one. It's a, it's a weird thing how this movie kind of works. It might be Lindsay's best picture. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot right there. Sense. So now he goes and does some weird stuff. He starts playing around with genres again. He does some Italian comedies. He does a Pierino film. But check this out. A Pierino film without Avaro Vitale. I'm like, what the fuck? Some guy named Giorgio Arani playing it. Or Ariani. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's going to work. Because uh, I love the Pierino films. But, you know, Alvaro Vitale. You know, Fellini found because he was a weird-looking guy. He's basically like a plumber. He's an Italian plumber in real life. And he's just because he looked kind of um, – I guess he looked like a short Al Molinaro, the guy who just died from Happy Days. Right, right. <laughs> uh, so they used him as this guy that was like kind of like an early Adam Sandler, but not as annoying. You know, it's kind of an eternal man child doing fart jokes and shit, and always getting left back in school. Um, so somehow he does one of these films, but without the guy in it. I'm like, how could you possibly? Anyway, he does another one that's actually one of my almost favorites of that type of genre, which was Chichabamba, uh, Fatty Girl Goes to New York. Loads of fun. There's a comedian named Gina Gass is in that as the uh, titular uh, girl who goes to New York and has a weight loss plan that uh, she gets from, of all people, Anita Ekberg, who is huge herself. So I don't know how the hell that's supposed to play out. Uh, um, but loads of fun if you're into Italian comedies. Um, and it's, it works as kind of like a revenge film, too, because now all of a sudden she's hot and she gets you know, to get all the guys. Or, but it's just a stupid Italian comedy. And they're kind of an acquired taste. But if you do like these kind of things, I do recommend it. Uh, he does some strange things like Daughter of the Jungle. with, uh, And it was written by Giovanni Lombardo Radice, 
uh, with Sabrina Siani, who we talked about when we talked the Franco films. Uh, you know, that stupid girl. Uh, <laughs> he does Iron Master, which is kind of a bad take on Quest for Fire. Uh, it's it's ostensibly uh, playing into the sword and sorcery genre, but it's really not. It's more like caveman and shit. George Eastman's in it as this guy uh, has a wolf head on him. Uh, William Berger's in it from the uh, Italian uh, spaghetti westerns, basically. Uh, Elvira Dre, who was in films like Amazonia and Scarpin with Two Tails. People talk good about it. People want to get it released over here. I have a region two of it. It sucks. <laughs> it's probably one of my least favorite Italian films of the, you know, all, all these kind of genres. I mean, I enjoyed The Barbarians from Diodato a hell of a lot more than this one. Uh, so that says something. There, there were several of these, weren't there? Uh, not from him, but yeah, there was lots of these kind of films back then. Um, oh, you mean other Iron Master films? Uh, other Iron him. Master films. Oh, okay. Maybe somebody uh, else. Maybe somebody else picked them up. You know how that is, like yeah. Deathclaw Crew or something. Uh, he does a film called uh, Bridge to Hell on Ponte Inferno, which is a war movie with, of all people, Peter Hooten, who was Doctor Strange, that TV movie from the 70s. Uh, right, I've, got, right. I've got that on one of these shitty like, wartime sets. It's not bad. Uh, I actually kind of liked it. Um, then he does a bunch for TV, uh, Ghost House, uh, with Lara Wendell from Tenebre, um, a, a follow-up, uh, The House of Witchcraft, uh, with Andy Forrest, who was in Tito Brass's Miranda and the aforementioned Bridge to Hell, and Paul Muller, of all people, from, uh, the Franco films, he's getting saw, and he's, he was always in Franco's. Um... I like House of Witchcraft a lot more than Ghost House, but they're both fun. And recently, uh, Ghost House came out on a Blu-ray with, uh, I believe it was Witchery, which is another you know, like Ghost House for a year four or something. Who the hell knows? Uh, he didn't do that one, but still, not bad. Um, you got the Hell's Gate, which is kind of dicey. Uh, again, I've got like a Region 2 one, so that may be part of the problem. It's Pan and Scan, uh, full frame. Barbara Capisti's in it, uh, who was uh, Michaela Suave's girlfriend for a while. She's in films like New York Ripper, The Church, Stage Fright, Opera, 11 Days, 11 Nights. Giacomo Rossi Stewart, uh, who was in Last Man on Earth, the Vincent Price uh, version of The Omega Man. Uh, Kill Baby Kill for Baba, Weekend Murders. Uh, Paul Muller's in it again. Um, he, then he does a couple that are more domestic, if you will. You, you would think that they were bad American slasher-type films, and yet they're Italian. Uh, you've got Hitcher in the Dark uh, with his fellow Joe Balog, who's kind of like, I don't know, he's like a sleazy Michael J. Fox, I guess. Uh, and Josie Bissett, the TV actress. Uh, I did not like this one at all, but then Balog showed up again in a film that he did called Black Demons, which is loads of fun. Uh, he actually goes down to Brazil. And the kid gets – he sees like a Macumba ceremony or something, and he gets possessed. And There actually are like you know slaves, like the, the zombies of slaves coming back to take revenge on – I don't know. You would think it was on like the white masters or something, but it's all like these Brazilian folks. Uh, and you know, like, he's got like these hippies going around and being friending them and everything. It's, they've got this isolated house on a hill. I like Black Demons a lot. I mean it's a stupid film. But it's for this period of Italian horror when it was really kind of dying off and going to more like TV movies, because uh, we're talking about 91 already. Uh, it's really enjoyable. Uh, if you like films like you know Zombie 4 and things like that or Troll 2, you're going to love this one. Uh, Nightmare Beach he did right before that with John Saxon. Again, it's kind of like a, a beach party like teen movie, uh, teen sex comedies that they have in the 80s. 
but with some guy going around in a motorcycle outfit killing people. Uh, you know, if you like that kind of thing, you like it. Oh, there's he did another one of those House of whatever, House of Lost Souls. Again, decent. Wasn't there a Hess in that one? Uh, House of Lost Souls? I don't think so. Unless it was no, a bit no, no, in the beach movie, in the beach movie. I'm not sure. He might have been Nightmare Beach. Um, what was the? There was another name for it, like you know, Welcome Spiando, to Welcome to Spring Beach or something like the Welcome to Spring Break. Spiaggio uh, del Terror. Uh, yeah. uh, no, Michael Parks. Close. <laughs> and then he just kind of peters off. He does a couple more films in the early '90s that nobody ever heard of: Mean Tricks, Hunt for the Golden Scorpion, Cart Target, Detective Malone, and that's it. He just kind of wrapped up his career, but. The thing that we have mentioned a couple times already, and it's true about Lindsay, just to sum up with him, is even though a lot of his stuff doesn't work, even though he really does you know, dig down the bottom and get the sleaziest shit going on, he'll copy other directors and do it in an even cheesier, even sleazier way. Uh, usually, unless you're talking about his Jollos, or at least his early Jollos, uh, it works. And, okay, yeah, his police attestions are a little dry, too. But, you know, you get into this stuff, and it's like, well, if you can take the goriness of it, if you can take the distastefulness and the sleaziness of it, most of these films that we're mentioning, especially once you get into, like, eyeball moving forward up to, you know, basically stuff like Hell's Gate and Nightmare Beach, they're enjoyable. I mean, you know, yeah, we're getting into, like, film mirage type stuff. We're getting into the sort of territory that Lombardo Baba was doing. Uh, but it's entertaining crap. If you like Italian horror, you're probably going to like these. Yes, they're not the classics, quote-unquote. It's not you know, early Argento, early Fulci, but they're fun stuff. And I definitely have, uh, if you want to call it honored places in my collection for them. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything you want to say about uh, Lindsay before we move on? No, no, let's move on. <laughs> it's a <All> lovely right. show. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, well, he's actually the biggest one here. In terms yeah, of- I know, I know. Uh, so now we got a bunch of guys that are even sleazier and less defensible than Lindsay, if you can believe that, for the most part. There's one guy that's an exception. Uh, Luigi Bustella. Uh, this guy, uh, he's really infamous for a certain film. Uh in the beginning, he had done a couple of uh, spaghetti westerns. You know, you might have them on uh, sets like I do, like Django's Cupcake Corpses or Paid in Blood or God is My Cult 45 or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He did a non-exploitation film. He was involved with Devil's Wedding Night, uh, the film that we had mentioned with Joe D'Amato, which, by the way, I had seen recently a uh, Code Red had put out a Blu-ray of it. And a completely different experience, not just because the picture is different, you know, better picture. But they reinstated all the movie that was gone in previous because you know you usually got like the R versions or whatever. And but it is, but is, wasn't that like a severely limited edition, like five? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem with his stuff. But he's yeah. a jackass, that guy. You know what, what kind of moron has a DVD Blu-ray company, and he puts he puts out like twenty copies. Then he then he's like, he directs well, all them. He curses yeah. everybody out that's going to buy yeah. from him. And then uh, he says, okay, well, I'm not going to ship overseas because you guys always have problems. And, and then he, they like, become he goes securities. Yeah, they, and he goes himself and sells money on eBay and stuff for extra money. I'm like, really? <laughs> and they're a lot of money. They're a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. But I do enjoy his films for the most part. He has yeah, interesting yeah. taste. He has a good bottom feeder taste, if you will. Kind of like what's on with Lindsay. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I'd seen this one recently, and it's a big difference because all of a sudden, hey, wait, what's all this nudity? Why is Rosalba Nerio running around naked all the time? Why is this film, you know, play so much better in this way than it did in all the previous versions I saw? It's still not a good film, 
but it's more of kind of hallucinatory, right. cheesy, sleazy, nude for Satan type of thing, which, by the way, is another best telefilm. Uh, so he did a lot of films like this that were kind of trippy, uh, vaguely satanic, vaguely witchy, but really not saying a damn thing and not really that way, just kind of playing with that area. Uh, like Devil's Wedding Night, which, like I mentioned, Evers Albinari is uh, – uh, what do you want to call her? I guess she was supposed to be like the Countess Dracula or something or the Countess Bathory. Uh, vampire type, obviously. Mark Damon was in it. Um, and like we said, Joe D'Amato was the uncredited uh, director slash co-director. Who knows how much uh, was which was which. Um, he also did New for Satan, like I mentioned, with Rita Calderoni, uh, who would pop up. She was usually with another fellow we'd talk about, Renata Polzelli. Uh, I think she was his girlfriend or something. Oh, uh, yeah. I, and you know who we're talking about also went under a variety of pseudonyms, too. This guy, yes. this director. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A whole bunch of names. I didn't bother to keep Paolo Solve and Dean Paolo Solve. Uh, well, Ivan Kathansky, Sal Boris, I mean, Bradford Harris. I mean, every other film was a different freaking name. Um, so these two films are really kind of surreal and trippy. Not as ridiculous as Paul Zelli. You know, Paul Zelli, I don't know what's wrong with him. He did a lot of drugs or something. We'll get to him shortly. But, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to have fun with that one. But best tell us it's still interesting. I like New for Satan a lot. I mean, it doesn't make a damn bit of sense. The guy's driving down the road with his girlfriend, but then, you know, I, I think the one hits the other one, and they go to this old house that's got, like, you know, like the old Italian house where you got, like, instead of plastic on the furniture, they've got, like, you know, uh, sheets over all the furniture and the dust. And then they recognize and decide it's their house. And wait, are, are we really reincarnated? Oh, wait, are you Satan? It doesn't make any fucking sense. And then they you know, kill each other in the end. It's like they go on top. There's a castle. I, I don't know. Uh, but didn't you didn't you detect a sort of almost Roland esque yes feel and very much that's this, this, this yeah. kind of surreal feel. I mean, it's yeah. obviously based on nudity. There's a sort of like a cultic, dreamy type thing, but. It doesn't make a goddamn bit of sense, and yet that's you're exactly right. That is in there for sure. You've got yeah. the Roland sort of feel. You've got a to some extent a Franco esque feel. Um, all playing in the same territory. Not as good as those by any means, but loads of fun. And I I do recommend both of them, but particularly New for Satan. Uh, so then well, he does a, a, a yeah. New for Satan. I wait, wait, New for Satan. I thought, and the director were going to probably. Uh, I assume discuss next. I mean, these guys, their movies, um, when they got to the salacious parts, <laughs> um, I mean, you you could you could almost feel like they went further, but you got you got the cut down horror type version. Yeah. You know? And these girls we're talking about, I mean, not just Rita Calderoni, but there's some gorgeous women in these freaking films. And, you know, they're bearing their bodies proudly, and they should be because they got great bodies. Um, you know, it, it's really, it's not like, you know, porn sleaze, that kind of level, but they're really, um, like you said. Not all porn is sleazy. It's just like Roland Ask. It, it, it goes into that sort of dreamy, erotic territory. Um, erotic territory, yes, yes. Uh, very nice stuff. And then he switches gears and does a, a war film, Octung, the Desert Tigers. I know I'd seen it once. It made no impression on me whatsoever. Do you remember this one? Yeah, I do. I do. I do remember seeing it. It's, uh, it's a very cheesy, low-budget, uh, mm -hmm. shot in some bizarre desert-type jungle 
fucking park, probably. Um, <laughs> That's what's more like in a park. <laughs> it was probably a park, yeah. It was like, you know, a bunch of Germans, they had to refill um, their uh, oil cans. I remember this. They had to refill. They had the, these big barrels uh, that were like, they needed oil, and they're driving this, like, truck, and I don't know. Before you know about it, there was some sadism going on, and there was... Yep. Uh, a lone troop of uh, uh, mixed GIs and Brits, and uh, I, at some point I kind of lost interest. But yeah, just, that's the thing. It sounds like it's halfway interesting on paper if you're into war films, but it's boring. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I then, mean, there, there's a few of those things that are really good, and I think Frederick okay. Stafford was in a couple of them. Um, but this this wasn't one of them. Yeah, that was not one of the good Italian war films by a long shot. Uh, so then he says, okay, look, I just did a war film. Why don't I do a Nazi exploitation film? Now, oh, God. <laughs> now we had talked briefly about Nazi exploitation when we were talking the, the French films because of Eurocine. They sort of specialized yeah. in them for a while. Uh, this is the most infamous of all Nazi exploitation films. Um, and therefore, once again, just like we're talking with Lindsay, it's so ridiculous, it's actually the most palatable one. And, you know, if you want to call such a thing entertaining, which is really a stretch, because uh, they're usually kind of hard to watch, um, this is the one, uh, or one of them anyway, uh, The Beast in Heat. Uh, Macho Magal, who kind of looks yeah. like uh, I, not only Marissa Mel, but she looks very familiar. You, can you can you like get an analog? You know who I'm talking about? The other actress she looks like sort of. Um, there's another cult film actress that Macho McGall looks like. For the Beast in Heat. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah 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 um, yeah. It's not Marissa Mel. It's no, um, it's somebody thicker. Um, and I kept thinking it was her. And I'm like, well, Macho McGall, no, it's not her. All right. <laughs> um, Anyway, it, it might come to us, but she looks like a more famous uh, cult film actress of the period and era, uh, or area. But she's and, not. No. <laughs> well, that's it. Uh, and Salvatore Beccaro, who you had mentioned at the opening of the show, uh, who is the Beast. Basically, this poor guy, um, I think, once again, kind of like we were talking about with uh, Alvaro Vitali, he was just like, I think he was a laborer or a uh, bricklayer or something like that. He's in carpentry. I don't know what it was. Uh, and somebody found him at a bar, and they basically cast him, not necessarily in this film, but in films for a bit, uh, because he was, and I hate to say this because this is a rotten thing to say about somebody, but because he was, quote, so ugly. Uh, no, he, he, he had a unique, he had a unique... Visage. He had a unique face. He, well, yeah, see, you're putting a nice spin on it, and I'm like, and I don't even want to call the guy this way, but that's what everybody said, and that was the reason they cast him. Like, oh, look at this guy. He's, quote, so ugly. We've got to cast him in a film. Well, yeah, and, yeah. That would be yeah. that would be an Italian saying that. Exactly, yeah, right. right. I mean, I don't... Yeah, yeah. And it's, I, can, I can see one of these Italian directors or crew members saying, Oh, the fucking guy was so ugly. You know? Yeah, I mean, but, you know, me, I feel sorry for him. I was like, okay, he's just like a, a guy, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm sure, like a lot of women might go, oh, jeez. Uh, but you know, but you know, it's me, weird but... though. If you see Sal, uh, he was also under the name Borgesi, too, a lot. Yeah. If you've seen him over the years, I mean, he goes back to the '60s, the mid '60s. He was in a couple of three Fantastic Superman movies, which are highly enjoyable. Oh, I enjoy those. Yeah, I didn't know he was in yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's in a couple of those, and he's in uh, 
He's in a couple of Peplum, not too much. He's in a couple of Westerns, not too much. But he usually played the clowning. He was really good at mugging, you know, because he had that rubbery mouth face, Ooh. the rubbery... Now I remember. You are correct. He was there eating the soup. The one I have, the Three Fantastic Superman one, I don't know, because there's like three or four of them, is the right. one where they have, uh, there's a Chinese guy, I don't think he's anybody famous. Uh, they've got a black fella, the, again, I don't know if he's anybody famous, and the Italian guy, and they're all, it's just like a comedy slash peplum type film. And they go into this, uh, it's like a, almost in a cave they built it out of. They go into this bar tavern type thing, and he's in there. Because you're right, they did some kind of thing where they jumped over his soup or some crap. Right. And he just he was doing a, um, uh, a Bud Spencer, basically. like, ah, I don't want to talk to you guys, leave me alone. And they had like, to get his attention for some reason. And they did all those tr- stupid like martial arts tricks over his soup and shit. <laughs> so, yeah, you were correct. I, I do remember him in that. Yeah, uh, yeah. And- Sal and Sal is also Sal is also in in that almost indescribable uh, uh, Alfonso Brescia movie. Um, Beast uh, Meat. Am- no, not that one. <laughs> uh, the Amazons versus the Supermen. Do you remember that thing? Yes. yes. Super Stooges versus the Wonder Woman is another title. I yeah. love that. <laughs> that may be yeah. the one I'm talking about. That, that may be the Three Francis and Superman I'm thinking of. <laughs> Yeah, it's got like these these like bosomy uh, Amazons like from Wonder Woman time. They're yep. they're dressed in sort of like pseudo Roman pseudo Viking gear, and then you got a martial artist, a yep. strong man, yep, and a, and a black dude. Right, that's the one. That's <laughs> the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, and the black dude's like from some like black exploitation movie, <laughs> and, and it's like what that's the right. hell. He does. He actually talks in jive. And and, you know, so, so what, <laughs> yeah, he talks in jive. Well, the dub version. <laughs> and, you know, it's 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 a very enjoyable film because I seen this thing. I seen this thing cut into a comedy esque movie, and then I seen a serious version, and it's like a huge what the fuck. Oh, I you know, it's just, <laughs> this is a serious version of this thing. Like, so it's not a joke. You know. Um, so what I'm trying to say folks, and remember earlier, we digress, is that for me, I remember seeing this character actor at this point um, being humorous, you know, being uh, used for, you know, the background, you know. What I had always heard was that's why they picked him for, you know, the batch of movies he did around that, not just this one, but because this guy's so ugly that they've got to put him in this thing as whatever. And this film here, they totally, totally exploit the poor schmuck uh, as basically the titular beast in heat. He's a guy in a cage. He's sort of like like a caveman or crap. And he rattles the bars, and basically they throw, and you remember this is Nazi exploitation, so they take their, uh, how do you say it nicely, you know, their victims and throw them in the cage and teach them a lesson. And, you know, of course, he's all a horny beast, and there you go. Uh, It's absolutely distasteful on every possible level. But Uh. among these sort of films, which are always super sleazy, you've got like this one and... This like either Red Knights of the Stop or SS Ghost. I forget which one was set. It's, it's kind of like a Salon Kitty where they're set in a brothel, and then it's like the last days of the war, and they end up shooting themselves at the end. Those two are the best ones. The other oh, ones are Red Knights. So I think it's Red Knights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other ones are almost totally unwatchable. It's not well, I, I, you got to remember that this this whole uh, uh, what year is this? Seventy seven. Seventy seven. Yeah. This this whole 
sub sub genre wouldn't wouldn't have even got greenlit for the uh, if it weren't for the amazing well Salon Kitty and the Elsa films. Yeah, and to some extent the Night Porter. It was all around the same time. To some extent the Night Porter, but I think that the the lurid, yeah. no holds barred. Um, oh my God, this is too sick even for me. Elsa films. Yeah. Yep. Um, I they definitely did the, these things that the the Nazi exploitation yeah. genre definitely. Um, Let's put it yeah. this way, folks. Uh, of all these genres we talk about. Uh, not only is it the most distasteful, but it only lasted a fucking year. That should say something. Because, you know, well, usually the things for years and years. More or less, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It was like 77 to 78, gone. None before, nothing after, over with. Nobody wants to admit they exist, <laughs> except on but, 42nd Street. So there you go. But there there uh, were a lot of them. Then look at Eurocine. Yeah. God knows. How many in the Eurocine? Oh, trend? Eurocine was huh. the biggest producer of these damn things. Everybody thinks of Italy, but no. Uh, they must have put out nine of them. I actually have a set Possibly. of the damn things from them. It's actually just called the Nazi cult collection from overseas. And You're every sick man, film, you. <laughs> uh, well, look, it's your scene. I love your scene. Uh, you know, you're sitting like, oh, no, I actually, I, 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 really? off air, I want you to give me info. I want to get that. <laughs> well, I got it years I'm ago. I'm kidding. So I'm so kidding. Much. I want to see that. Yeah, it, it's it's actually, you know, if you're into this kind of shit, the Euro scenes are probably more palatable than the Italian ones. But, whew. Uh, again, just like women in prison films, but nastier. Uh, but anyway, if you're going to go with ones that are, like I said, palatable, just because of the cheese factor, yeah, Beast and Heat, it's it's pretty notorious for a reason, and therefore it's like, well, if you're going to watch something that's going to blow your freaking mind, okay, there it is. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, yeah, I, guess, I, I can't recommend this film at all, though, personally. Yeah, I can um, see it. it does. Yeah, it does have Brad Harris in it. Uh, you know, Brad Harris, Euro Spy, yep. Hercules, and a bunch of uh, Sword and Sandal movies. And uh, the one guy who, for some reason or another, never made convention rounds, uh, and he should have. He would have made some money. Uh, uh, Brad Harris is in this film. Um but no, I can't recommend the damn thing. <laughs> well, it's kind of hard to recommend any of the Nazi plantation films. But you know, like I said, it's notorious, and it, therefore it's just like, okay, well, I'm gonna watch one. Well, there's so, probably one we could recommend, but this won't be it. Yeah. Okay. Um. So then he does a couple of oddities. He actually did a spy film in there, uh, Strategia Pero no Missione de Morte. I don't think it ever came over here. Uh. But then he, the last film that he does of note was he did a Bruce Lee film for Dick Randall, which was uh, Challenge of the Tiger. Uh, and actually, I you know saw who else, that. I you saw know who that. else did a film for uh, uh, Dick Randall and uh, Bruce Lee? Was Jean Marie Pallardy, who we talked about a couple of weeks back with the French yeah, films, yeah. Uh, Ninja Strikes Back. I've actually seen more Pallardy films since. Uh, they're they're kind of of a piece, so there's not too much to say there. But uh, <laughs> did you did you uh, see this Challenge of a Tiger? I actually have to have seen it. I have both of them. Uh, yeah. Audie and Chancellor Tiger being Bruce Lee uh, and Best Yeah. I liked it. I mean, I like those films anyway. The Dick Randall films are, once again, of a piece. Um, just so people know, Bruce Lee was one of the Bruce Boitation uh, knockoffs. He was probably the most successful of them. But these films that he does for Randall are unbelievable. I mean, literally, you'll have scenes where the film will stop after he does like a karate chop or something, and they'll have like an X-ray cartoon of somebody's bones breaking. <laughs> Uh, Richard Harrison, who we talked about before, he was in a lot of uh, Dick Randall Ninja he's films. He's in this, yeah, and he he's he's in this one too. Challenge Brad, the Tiger. 
Brad Harris is um, in it. I remember this one. Yeah. Yeah, this is actually one of the sleazier yes. uh, hybrids of Kung Fu martial Isn't arts. Is this the one where there's something about uh, they're trying to take away people's sperm count or some crap with a special <laughs> drug? No, that was the other one. <laughs> oh, that was the other one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this this was the one where like his best his best friend, um, I guess Richard Harrison. Yeah, his best friend, uh, who's like supposedly another agent. The, he's supposed to, Bruce Lee is supposed to be an agent. Yes. And you know, and like I think okay, Bruce Lee is this Asian guy, and he's got like this very Zen quality to him. Of course, he goes to Italy, he's fucking girls left and right. <laughs> and so he's hanging up with Richard Harrison. They're being very, um, uh, what's the word? I don't know. What it's is this the one where Harrison is the tennis guy and he's playing tennis with a yeah. naked girl with huge tits and, and like bouncing yeah, yeah, on yeah, camera yeah. slow motion? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And, 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 and then there's drugs involved and there's white slavery and crime. And uh, Dick Randall the, being Dick Randall, there was something over there where he was filming in Hong Kong or whatever, where uh, a bunch of uh, Hollywood stars, like Khan or whatever the hell it was, uh, came to do some kind of a show, like a visit or a award show or something. So he right. swiped footage from the freaking show. He was there recording, and all of a sudden you see him, like Jack Klugman walk by, and Morgan Fairchild, and Jane Seymour, and like, what the hell? How do you get these people? Oh, well, well, you know what? I think there is such a thing in Challenge <laughs> of a Tiger. I think there is. <laughs> It is. They're in it, uh, but yeah. you know, not officially. They don't get paid for it. It's not like they're really supposed to be there. It's just he went and swiped some footage. <laughs> and I think those yeah. who, who who want to check this particular movie out, I think uh, Mondo Macabro did it on a double bill with the. What's the uh, digit, uh, name uh, for your height only? Yeah, 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 yeah. Great yeah. film in itself. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, it's a double- so. So anyway, that's it for Bust Hell. Unless you got anything else to say about him, um, so the other fellow who we were talking about that's sort of related in a way, and to, at least to stuff like New for Satan, is Renato Pulselli. Uh He had been around since 1952, uh, but really people only know him starting in the 60s. He did a film that I love that's still not on DVD called Vampire and the Ballerina with Walter Brandi. Uh, it's basically an Italian gothic. Um, Walter Brandi was in films like you know Bloody Pit of Horror, Terror Creatures in the Grave, uh, Playgirls the Vampire, and speaking of sleazy directors who we will probably try to get to, and Nazi exploitation films, Bruno Mattei's SS Girls. <laughs> so that's quite a dump there, tying gothics to Mattei uh, and Nazi exploitation. But nonetheless, Vampire and the Ballerina, it's uh, pretty nice. Uh, there's another one that I actually do have, uh, Vampire and the Playgirls, very similar. Basically, uh, they go up to this castle, and of course, you know, in this case, he falls in love with this girl, and uh, he, you know, they, I don't know if it's his sister or something, this vampire girl, and he, she ends up having to kill him because she's in love with him. You know, the usual cheesy. Well, he, he did two stuff. of these. He did yeah. two of these back to back. The other one was uh, Vampire, vampire of the was... Opera. Oh which yes, is you're even right. More obscure. I have that one too. That that's actually yeah, came out but, uh, in UK. Yeah, two different movies. But this one never came out anywhere, so I don't know what the deal yeah. is. Uh, it should. They used to show a lot on TNT back in the day. Um, so he goes from this Italian gothic. He does a couple of weird things like, you know, the sheriff won't shoot. And uh, You had mentioned the Muscle Del Opera. That was his as well, uh, another Paul Zelli, uh, with Brandy once again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And he does Mondo Pazzo, which is one of those half-assed Mondo films. Uh, Mondo Pazzo was, as I recall, yeah. a bit more focused on sex, so it was like a little lighter-hearted. Like, oh, look, look at those quirky people and how they, you know, watch those uh, jiggling boobs at the, the strip show, or ha 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 ha. You know, um, Mondo films are a film uh, genre unto themselves, which maybe we'll discuss someday, maybe we won't. Uh, but 1972, after taking, I guess, a bit of a break, really. He does uh, La Verita Second of Satano with Rita Calderoni, which I believe came over here as – was that Bloodsucker Does the Dance or something? What was the American title for that one? Do you remember? Um, oh, I don't, but it's not that movie. Yeah. It's not? Oh, okay. But yeah. nonetheless, I have these films. I have the polls. <laughs> I don't remember what the hell the name of this film is. Anybody knows that, you're welcome to call in with this. Um, yeah, yeah, Dan- please do. He did a couple of them with Calderoni because this, like I said, was his girlfriend. So uh, he did Delirio Caldo, which was one of the two films known as Delirium, not the one that Lamberto Bava did with Serena Grandi and the perverted kid in the wheelchair that peeps on her. But uh, this one is actually the crazy one with Mickey Hargitay. Uh, Mickey was, first off, the father of Mariska, those of you who are followers of bad television nowadays. Uh, but. He was a bodybuilder who was in a bunch of peplum in the early days, uh, who was, and I believe he was from somewhere in Eastern Europe. I forget where the hell he was from. Uh, but Hungarian, I think he was. Hungary, Hungary. Uh, he married the infamous yeah. uh, Jane Mansfield. And all that stuff, you know, the giant heart-shaped pool and all that stuff, he was a mason, so he built this stuff for her. He was totally in love with this girl, and she was just busy screwing around with him and joining the Church of Satan and whatever the hell else she was doing. <laughs> but... Uh, you know, well, could you blame him? No. <laughs> I never liked her. I always thought she was just tacky. Uh, once again, kind of like half-assed Marilyn Monroe, but not as stupid. Uh, so she did have more of a brain in her head, such as it was. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But but if it's there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, so anyway, but, but... <laughs> and Calderoni do this film. And he is was he supposed to be like an ex cop or an ex serviceman? I know there's a reason well, that he was kind of flipping well, out. I, I I think I think I think to me, this is one of the most extreme, obvious, and uh, uh, gosh, I don't know what else to say about this film. This is your Italian sleaze movie. This is yes. it. Um, yeah. He there are two versions of this two of this movie by the way as well. Um there there's the Italian one dubbed into uh dubbed subtitled, sorry, there's the Italian one subtitled. Uh called Delirio Caldo. Right. Um and then there's the English language version called Delirium. And right. uh both both of them are different. And and one he's the sick bastard guy, he's married to this woman who's Rita Calderoni, you know, she's got fleshy breasts, and she's kind of, like, not bad-looking, and she plays no, the wife. Nice I like her. And uh, it's kind of hinted at that the husband, Mickey, goes out at night. He's supposed to be a, a doctor, a physician. He he has this weird, intense freaking eyes, and he stares yes. at the camera, and like he's having a breakdown, or he's about to split his head open or something. <laughs> and then you see a woman get killed, and then you see her get assaulted. And it's like, oh, so he's assaulting her after. He's killing her. Very strange. And there's a couple of these things going on. Then there's like some local sleazy bastard type guy, which you often find in Italian films. 
looking from askance from a side, like, oh, he's, he's the guy that's going to like try to blackmail him. Um, and then there's the other version, the English version, where uh, I believe it was one of the <laughs> sleazy uh, U.S. distributors decide, insisted on this, that they made Mickey's character a Vietnam vet doctor who was right. wrapped up in Nam and come back. So they have this whole, all this footage they shot, and they kind of change his character around and cutting. And then they make him even more bizarre. Because I remember, I distinctly remember in that version, a scene where the Rita Calderoni, as the wife, really wants him to have sex with her, right? Yep. So she's unaware that he's out there, possibly. And why are, we don't want to ruin this movie for people. I just remember her attacking the girl in the phone booth that time on the highway. I was like, wow. <laughs> well, there's that. But you know what was really strange? It's like she wants to have sex with her husband, so he has this big box. What's in the box? He keeps staring at the box. She's staring at the box. It's Pocelli. Pocelli, he existed in his own bizarre world. <laughs> and <laughs> as a filmmaker, you know, like there's wide eyes looking at this box. He's looking at the box. She's looking at the box. She opens the box. And he takes out this big black dildo type thing that's very thick. Yes. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. <laughs> and then it's implied that he anally rapes her, and then she either likes it or not. We're not quite sure. And then there's the aftermath of that where she's like sated. Okay, but he still goes out and kills somebody, maybe. Um, you know, and the I weird thing about uh, this movie. Who was the girl that was in Sister of Ursula? She was also in Suspiria. Um, oh, Barbara I, McNulty. Barbara McNulty. When I met her, I kept making jokes about that. And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah. It's like, so how you do with that murder weapon? It's like, oh, you wouldn't want me to use that on you. <laughs> I mean, same idea. You're like, big. Well, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, well, the funny thing was, <laughs> both these versions of this movie are implying that he's the killer, and then they're not. And then, well, right. oh, who else would be the killer? Is it the wife? Is it, like, are we not seeing what we think we're seeing? And the funny thing was, I think, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think Poselli was trying to impart on us maybe that he thought he was a better director than he actually was. <laughs> yeah, I'm like... Sure. Let, let me do like a little mind fuck thing on you on the audience. Yep. But it's a really sleazy, um, uh, insulting. Uh, I mean, it's really it's insulting. Yeah, however. and he does really. more like this. He does reincarnation of Isabel once again with Hargate and Calderoni. That's oh, really that, trippy. That, that's the that's, one where they have the satanic rites and stuff. I mean, that's just like totally messed up. But that one's more watchable. That one's more watchable. Uh, yeah, it's harder to find. Damn it! Why do these people put out like? It's available the next year. It's like $42 somewhere on eBay. <laughs> right? Come on. Well, I think that came out again. Somebody took over the old Redemption catalog and put them out oh, on Blu-rays yeah. recently. So, yeah, it's out there again under another title. It's not, it's not Reincarnation of Isabel now. It's like Black Magic Rights. I think that's what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. People should see that because it's uh, it's a lot more easy to take than uh, Delirium. And, 
It's still bizarre. It makes no sense. And even those other films, it make like, sense? you know, Mania. No, they make a damn bit of sense. None of them do. Uh, that's the thing about Paul Zelli. It's like, what kind of drugs is he taking? Um, he even does a film that's, I think it's supposed to be a policial patchy, but somehow there's like rape involved in there and there's kidnapping. And it, it, it's like borders Jalo, but it's unwatchable because who brought it over here? Mia. They just called it Lust. It's actually Torino Centrale del Vizio, uh, you know, Turin, the, the city of vice, basically. Um, and it's actually credited to a fellow named Bruno Vanni, but Pozzoli really uh, directed it or co-directed it. Well, so Bruno, see, Triani does the Go ahead. Yeah, Bruno Vanni worked with Pozzoli a lot, and uh, he was like, I don't know, his writer or whatever. And the both of these guys had a uh, brief but perverse career doing porno, Italian yeah. porno. That's actually the last credit I see for Pozzelli that was anything. He calls himself Hard Sack with two C's. That's actually the name he goes by. And it's uh, Boca Bianca Bocanera, uh, which is – what is that? Is that like hard balls, black balls, or black balls, white balls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hard balls, black balls. And, and, and the funny thing is he was he was elderly. He was like in his 70s and 80s when he was shooting, shooting hardcore in Italy. <laughs> I mean, under under pseudonyms, and even this stuff, which I've seen, and I actually, I think I may have some around. Um, <laughs> maybe the sleeves, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> maybe the sleeves, yes, it's, it's me. Um, it's, it's, it's not in- <laughs> joke. Uh, it's not entertaining. You know, it's Italian hardcore is very interesting. It depends on. Who's making it? What what year? What decade? My impression, about? I mean, I haven't seen much of it, if any, but my impression of once you got outside the model, which is actually kind of you know, something you're kind of erotic charged with his stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm talking about stuff. 11 Days, 11 Nights, and all that, top model. But outside of that, you get a lot of Moana Paltzi. She was huge in there until she died of, I forget that, maybe she died of AIDS, I don't remember. Uh, and the fucking Chicholina. I'm like, why? Why? And then they elected her to the, the parliament. I'm like, why? Uh, <laughs> Weird-looking Dutch girl, or all she was. Uh, but but, hey. but this, this Pocelli stuff is, is so weird. And, and Pocelli... Um, I think possibly, possibly in- influenced another filmmaker uh, by the name of Mario Siciliano, who also dabbled in hardcore, but he did some erotic horror hardcore, and but he did do one good uh, horror type movie, which was Melocchio. Oh, oh yeah, I think I've seen that one. The Evil Eye. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that was with Anthony Stefan, uh, Richard mm-hmm. Conti. Yep. Uh, Jorge Rivero, that uh, Mexican actor who was also in Fulci's Conquest. Yep. Um, I think it was an Italian... double feature with uh, Black Candles from... Um, who's the fellow that did vampires? Jose Larraz. Uh, I, I think Larraz. BPI put it out. Yeah. So, yeah, Evil Eye was decent. It was very decent. It was like one of those few hybrid movies that... Wasn't Marissa was, Mel in that, or was that Black Candles? Um, this one, it was Pilar Velasquez. Oh, Daniela Giordano. Oh, Daniela Giordano, okay, yes. Hence the uh, abundance of fleshy flesh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I like her. I got all the complaints there. <laughs> No, no, I like Daniel Giordano. Um, uh, it was a very strange movie. It was like uh, 
occult themes. There was a psychiatrist in, yep. involved in trying to help this guy deal with stuff. And it might have been a secret society, but also it was like, also was there a crime organization involved? It was like they didn't know what they were doing one minute from the next, but actually <laughs> places worked. And it's one of those weird movies that I, I find highly enjoyable because it's like a, a, a very good example of weird, sleazy Italian films. Now, Siciliano went on to do horror hardcore, and uh, very strange. I think he was probably influenced by the weird <laughs> stuff Lucelli was doing. I think uh, he did um, Orgasmo Esatico or Orgasmo Erotico, um, with Marina Lotar and Marina yeah. Fregesi. Oh, Marina Fregesi, yes. We talked about her when we talked about uh, Joe D'Amato. <laughs> Joe D'Amato, yeah, yeah. And uh, that one actually had some uh, homosexual hardcore stuff going on in there. <laughs> For those people who want to know, uh, then he followed it up with Orgasmo Nonstop. This, is, this one was interesting. There was, uh, I forgot, the Sonia Bennett. Was the the black woman very exotic looking, amazingly exotic, and she played this witch, and uh, it was you know these things are shot in the cheap, but like somebody's rented mansion for the weekend in Italy, so you had a lot of hedonistic things going on. There was a very occultic type one. The orgasmo nonstop is one of the more freaky ones. Um, I kind of giving you a little bit more information by telling you how much erotic horror. Italian films I've seen. <laughs> Siciliano also did My Swedish Aunt, though, if you remember from the days of private screenings. <laughs> These names are great. <laughs> you remember that one? That was another Marina Fregese. I don't remember it offhand, but still. Oh, um, yeah, my, my Swedish Aunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to people that are actually, I believe, unrelated, the, the Bianchis, uh, Mario and Andrea. Uh, oh, my Mario, God, we're going to get even sleazier. <laughs> yeah, Mario is pretty much just a porn director. I mean, and he does weird stuff. I mean, you look at his filmography, you see something like KKK, Story Violente del America de Yeri, uh, and then all, he's doing a whole bunch of pornos, you know, Euroflush 8, Deep Anal, uh, you know, let's see. What else? Uh, but he did boop, boop. do Satan's Baby Doll. It does, yeah, that's the one he's known for. It does Viri Diana Moana, like we were on Potsy before. Feminine Perverse. Family Bestial Games. Like, what the hell? Oh, the, I know what you want to know. The one, that he's, <laughs> the one he's famous for, of course, is La Bimba de Satana, Satan's Baby Doll. Uh, and that is out on DVD, those who are interested. Alan W. Cools, he went by. Don't ask where he got that at pseudonym from. Uh, and of all people, Mariano Giordano's in it. Uh, and, you know, Italian Sleeve's favorite. And Aldo Sambrell, who was in a lot of spaghetti westerns. Um, it's actually there was a remake. Was it the remake or was it a remake? One of them, uh, the one Bianchi did, one of the other Bianchi did, and it was uh, Satan's Baby Doll and Mal something. Did you oh, remember? Malabimba. Malabimba, yeah, that was it. I like Malabimba. Malabimba's great. So, but this is similar. It's just I think this is the one that had the younger girl in it as, as the starlet. Uh, what is it? Well, you you know you touched upon something interesting there. They both have Mar- Mariangela Giordano in them, which is weird. Um, 
but that was really the only film he ever did that wasn't some sort of like super sleazy porno or super sleazy, you know, shot on video type uh, expose. Um, yeah. He literally made one film that anybody cares about, and that was it. So, <laughs> well, the uh, funny thing was too, though he wasn't he wasn't a young man. Uh, the father Mario, he 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 did do a Mondo picture, Africa Sexy, in '63. So he's been around. Oh, so he actually was the father of Andrea? Yeah, I believe oh. so. Ah, uh, see, I wasn't sure if they were even related. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, and 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 um, so he did this Mondo movie, uh, and so uh, it's not like he wasn't working for twenty, thirty years. I just have no idea what he was. Th- it's quite possible too that you know these guys were probably working under a variety of pseudonyms. Um, I. I so many we we have no idea. Um, but Mario, besides Satan's baby doll, he ended up his career doing stuff with uh, Millie D'Abraccio, who was uh, a a actress who was trying to make it in genre stuff, but ended up doing purely Italian pornos. Wow! And Andrea now was mm. known for films like. First off, I think his first film, possibly his first film of interest, was What the Peepers Saw, uh, which is was out on a limited blue for a bit from VCI of all people. Uh, you would have thought it was a British film because it's got you know Mark Lester's involved in it, Britt Eklund was in the damn thing, uh, and yet apparently Bianchi did the Italian version. I don't know what the deal was there, uh, but somehow he was involved in this film as well. Uh, he did a couple of films that were strange, like Treasure Island. Before doing a sleazy Jallo, strip nude for your killer, which I believe is also on DVD with uh, Edward Fennick and Fanny Benusi. Uh He did a film that I have it's from not something bad, weird. Yeah, no, it is a bad. You're right. Strip nude oh. for your killer is actually pretty watchable. Uh, he did a something weird film that I have, which I only kept because Adolfo Selly's in it. Uh, Confessions for a Frustrated Housewife. Did you ever see that thing? Uh, it's yeah, really painful, like almost like a melodrama. Carol Baker once and again. That, and I, Kiss of Death is having her in it. The, the copy for that too in the back. <laughs> yeah, Kiss of Death is having Carol Baker in a film. Don't do it. Uh, but Adolfo Selly's in it. And he saves it. Uh, Luigi Pistelli's in it from films like The Great Silence, Bay of Blood, for a few dollars more, Tragic Ceremony, uh, Eerie Midnight Horror Show. I mean, this is like um, a really good cast basically for a really dull film. Uh, it's watchable, I guess, but. Uh, and then he does Malabimba, which is the one we were talking yeah, about, with Patrizio Webley, who is this huge-breasted, you know, super... If you see Mariano Giordano and Patrizio Webley in the same film, you know you're in for a real wing-dinger. Um, Mariano is basically a nun of all things, and of course she ends up giving head to people. And all, you know, it's it's not your typical... That's what nuns way. do, though. Right, it's, it's not your film for like a say Catholic types. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> right, you oh, don't but, know a nun that didn't do that? No, just kidding. <laughs> Actually, I knew somebody that became a nun and left the convent very quickly and would not say what went down there. We we assume it was some lesbian business. Um, <laughs> but she was oh. like left it. And that's it. She's not talking about it anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, novitiate, I guess she was. Um, but Webley was in films like Bloodsucker Leads the Dance, which you mentioned before, Silent yeah. Kitty, Play Motel, Heroin Busters. I mean, just from that resume, you're like, wow, you know what you're getting into. And, of course, Giordano. Um, but and- I, 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 want yeah. to, I want to touch on this for a moment, though, because Malin Bebe, 
is another movie that takes place in this, I don't know, dark, it's like a rich person's house or something, but they got a cave yeah. underneath. There's like yeah, satanic no. concessions, there's nuns. I mean, go ahead, Doug. Yeah, but, but, but Patricia Webley, also known as Patricia De Rossi, and about 12 other names probably, um, this is blondish, uh, ingenue type. and With enormous breasts. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's not hey, my thing. It's just they're so huge. Are you, are you like, trying oh, to be me? <laughs> they're and then, ridiculous. And then Marangelo Giordano is right. uh, she was her what her caretaker or something like that? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, she was like a nun watching out for the girl because I think the girl was like in a wheelchair or something. She was handicapped. Right, 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 right. And, and there was like you know there of course there's the longings of someone in such a position, and. Um, <laughs> The, of course. <laughs> of course, yeah. That's you just love working with me on these things. Um But before you know about it, there's 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 uh, occultic sexual things going on that that are so juicy and good that they border on hardcore. And yeah, uh sometimes I really like this film. It's definitely one of the sleaziest and most watchable of these kind of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes it just goes over the edge and you're like, Oh, did I just see what I just saw? Or is that humid wet whatever? It's not a vinegar syndrome. <laughs> so um I I like Malabimba. I I've unfortunately not seen a really, really nice clear copy of this. Who knows how no, they shot one out there on disc. It's not too bad. It's it's okay. Yeah, I, I like to see clearer, not yeah. because I'm sleazy, but sure. I see you're th- you're going where I'm not going, but I just like the castle walls. I want to see clearer castle walls. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, keep telling yourself that. I read Playbook for the the article. Uh, <laughs> but but you know what. After this movie, where else can you go but Zombie? Burial Ground. Burial Ground. He went from strength to strength. You have two of the sleaziest films in Italian cult cinema. You know, thank God for Andrew Bianchi just for making these two films. So he goes from Melabimba, which is already like, oh my God, what the hell did I just watch, to Burial Ground, which is indescribable. You know, back in the Wizard video days, yeah, and we're talking about yeah. basically around the time the film came out, uh, which is like 1981, so we're talking maybe like 83, 84, 85. Me and my father went and we yeah, we saw it in, I forget where the hell it was, but I know at one point it was like a dollar video sort of a thing, uh, whatever the chain was before that, because it was going way back to the earliest days of video stores. And, of course, we had to get it out because he was a cult film fan like me. Uh and we sat there watching this over dinner with my mother, and I swear to God, I saw his mouth drop. When <laughs> now this is a zombie film, <clears throat> as you might have guessed. Uh, this bunch of uh, people go to this rich deck, and it's basically go up to this old house. Uh, it's sort of an estate, I guess, and they've got servants there, whatever else. Uh, I guess it was like a summer house. I don't know, out in the middle of Italy. And it turns out that somewhere out in the grounds, for some reason, they have this little. The, the hills that are kind of like rolling a little bit, and there's like a little, almost like an ossuary when you go in the middle of the hill. There's like a cave there, and you go right. into, and there's all these fucking zombies. And somehow there's like, uh, I don't know if it was in there or up the hill further. They had like a little monastery, and at one point right. they go in there and it's like, oh look, all the monks they're sitting there eating dinner or whatever, and somebody tries to get their attention. And they get up and they're all zombies, but these zombies end up coming out, 
and murdering everybody inside. And the people are already sleazy because they're wife swapping. They're anything possible you can imagine. They're all you know they're rich. They're trying to screw each other over with money. They're trying to screw each well, other. Well, they're not sleazy because they're wife swapping. They just happen to be wife swapping. Oh, uh, they're they're sleazy sons of bitches. There's no clue. But, but, but they're, they're wife swapping uh, in a sleazy way. <laughs> we swapped in a sleazy way. Okay. Uh, listen to this guy. Maybe in a sleaze, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and there's this but, weird... Yeah, Mariana Giordano, when she pops up in a film, you know it's going to be hilarious. Patrick yeah, lives again after Patrick lives again after Malabimba and this film. Unbelievable. Um, she shows up in this film and she's got a son. And he probably only did one film, but everybody knows exactly who he is if I say his name. Peter Bark. Uh, this sort of – we had somebody in town that looked like this uh, who actually also was Italian. I'm not going to say his name, obviously, for protecting the innocent. But well, yeah, the, kid, the funny thing was Peter Park wasn't diminutive, and I thought he was a, a, a high-challenge person, and he wasn't. He was just I, that, that age, you know? Short. Yeah. Well, he looks old, and yet he is tiny. Therefore, you kind of think – like you said, he's a midget, basically. But um, – there's this scene at the end. It's basically everybody has become a zombie. And somehow the two of them were the only ones that survived this film. And he's – first of all, he's creepy. He's got this really high voice, but like I said, this old face. And he's get really overly attached to his mother, like in a weird way. And she's like really overly mothering to him in a way that only like Italian and Jewish mothers, uh, you know, those of you who had them know what that's like. Like, okay, get away from me, woman. It's a little strange. Uh, <laughs> and it goes beyond that. It's actually worse. Uh, yeah, you talk you know. about me. <laughs> no, seriously. Because you know how it is. You're half Italian. Yeah. It's worth it. The, the mothers get a little strange and like, okay, back off. Well, this guy went for it. He didn't back off, and it really gets beyond the pale. I mean, there's a scene in there that's just infamous. I don't even need to describe it unless you need to. Uh, no, but, no, I don't want to do it either. But uh, yeah, but <laughs> it's there. This is probably one of the most. <sighs> what do I? I'm at a loss for words. Damn it! Um, yeah, <laughs> you're at a loss for words about the scene. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's probably one of them. It's okay. Zombie, actually, actually, some of the zombie stuff is actually um, rolling it back for a minute. Some of the zombie stuff is actually quite not bad. Yeah, uh, considering As a zombie it's, film is really decent. I mean, it's kind of and first off, it was before a lot of Fulci films. I mean, Zombie yeah. had just come out two years before. They're very Fulci esque, and yet. There's this added sort of creep factor because, you know, there's this religious element because, you know, they're all bunks or whatever the hell. Uh, it works very well. It's cheap. So, yeah, we're, it, we're adding that, 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 that Diosorio kind of thing, too, into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it's claustrophobic. It's sleazy. It's dark. It's got this great atmosphere from this weird old house well, that they're in. But you know what's weird about this, though? This is, this is one of those key movies, which this is like a typical thing you saw a lot in mid '80s slasher films, especially the the, the uh, Friday the Thirteenth series, where like you know there's a killer out there and people go off and fuck. Yes, and it's a lot of that in this film. And it's they'll like, do it out in the field, and then the zombie will come up and attack. You know, it's, it's like a, you say, like a Friday the Thirteenth film in that respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like, well, why would you do that? You are you calling out <laughs> for your friend? They're not answering. You you're searching all over. Okay, blow me. You know, it's like 
No. And worse, uh, it's, it's, it reminds me of zombie in a lot of ways because a lot of the stuff happens in slow motion because the zombies come yeah. in slowly, and he kind of like emphasizes the horror elements there. But yeah. it more involves other people. Like somebody will be there, and their girlfriend that they were screwing, or you know, the maid or whatever, who somebody's yeah. helping them out, will get pulled out the window, or get you know whatever the zombies are dragging away, and the person will be standing there and not be able to help them. And sometimes they get scared and run away, and sometimes will try to help and can't do anything. Uh, and you're just watching as this person gets you know dragged away and eaten and whatever the hell else, and they're just like, oh, it's uh, very effective. It's I mean, very it's, effective. It's freaky. It's very effective, and, and, and in an odd way, you know. But this is this is why it's our Italian sleaze show too, you know. And sometimes somebody's not purposefully trying to make a good movie. And then, lo and behold, they actually make a good movie. It works exactly, and that's the problem. They do the thing. Well, problem if you want. That's the thing with the, his films. Those two films we just mentioned, they really do work. And that's the same thing with a lot of the Lindsay films. So here we go now with Alberto Di Martino, who is, if you listen to that interview with Giovanni Lombardo Radice, which I highly recommend, uh, he basically curses this guy's birth. <laughs> uh, but he was a producer that became a director, basically, from according to Giovanni, just because he was a cheap bastard. Uh, but it was very difficult to work with. He had done things going all the way back to the 60s. Uh, probably the most famous ones he had done, Percy's Against the Monsters, The Blanchville Terror. Uh, anybody who's seen that one, Gerald Titchy, Haldoline. Uh, it's a good film. It's a good Italian gothic. Um, Hercules vs. the Giants, uh, $100,000 for Ringo with Richard Harrison and Gerard Titchy. Um Special Mission Lady Chaplin. Uh, you know, I like that one a lot. I, yeah, like Bruno Nicolai, oh. score, Ken Clark, uh, Danielle Bianchi. We mentioned her last week with the Bond films. Uh, okay Helga Connery? Linnae. He did Okay uh, Connery. You know what that one is. I've never seen it, but yes, I've always heard about it. Oh, yeah, I got a couple of versions of that. It's Operation Kid Brother with Neil Connery, Sean's brother. We got to come over to your place and watch some Euro Spies or something. My wife would love it. Yes, yeah, you got to. You know, instead of bullshitting <laughs> for five hours, we should watch movies. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I love it. I love it. But but you know, and the funny thing about that movie is Neil Connery plays. Are you waiting? Yeah. Neil Connery. <laughs> He does. Yeah. He plays Neil Connery, a a physician who's a hypnotherapist, who's the brother of somebody else who dies in the beginning of the film. Yep. And it's supposed to be Sean as James Bond. And and so the movie does this uh what do you call it? breaching was it the fourth wall, right? Yeah. Uh, and the movie breaches the fourth wall quite a lot. And the people in this movie are Daniela Bianchi, Adolfo Celli, Bernard Lee, Lois Maxwell. Come on. Yep. Exactly, he's pulling the Bond circuit there, and you know, Special Mission Lady Chapman's got Bianchi again, Helga Linné, Jacques Bergerac from the Hypnotic Eye of all things, Ida Gali, you know, Evan Stewart, um, Ken Clark. And that's a good one too. That's a good one too. Actually, his earlier stuff is not bad. And you know, these are not small names. Even Ken Clark, his stuff like Tarzana, Twelve to the Moon, Attack of the Giant yeah. Leeches from the Orient with Fury. You know, you know who these people are when you walk in, especially if you know cult film. Um, and then he starts going off and doing, I guess, more like uh, spaghetti western sort of things. And he actually did Crime Boss and uh, Policia Tecci. Uh But what he becomes known for later, and I still think it's his best film by far, uh, The Antichrist. One of my all-time favorite occult horror films. Uh, it's got music by Morricone and Nikolai, you know, because they used to work together at one point. Uh, Joe D'Amato did the cinematography on it. 
Uh, there's a girl that's kind of severe, but very really throws herself into the part. It gets like oversexed at points and violent at other points, and you know, just really kind of a role that would embarrass just about anybody. And she's like throwing herself into it. Carla Gravina. Uh, she basically, I think she was in a wheelchair at the beginning. And, you know, the, the, a lot of Italian superstition, there are things like where you can go, uh, especially with the Catholics, obviously, this is a Catholic nation, uh, you can go to various shrines or you can do certain things. Like, you know, there are women that still crawl up the steps on their Whatever knees. Whatever happened to Carla Gravina, too? I don't know. She does such a crazy job here. You'd think she would do more. Um, and she ends up going to one of these things, and for some reason, instead of getting you know healed by whatever, and you know they're going to Stragoni and all kinds of you know, whatever you can name that's like whatever. Let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try anything uh, to try and get her to walk again. And finally, they get their wish. The problem is she gets possessed by the devil. Uh, so it becomes like you would think it's an exorcist knockoff, but the exorcist sucks ass. The the Antichrist is an unbelievable friggin' movie, and a lot of the stuff that's going on there, you know, those of you who are into the darker side of things, it's a lot more accurate than the exorcist. Let's put it that way. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can learn from there or pick up. Like, okay, I get this tradition or I see that, whatever, as opposed to just the horse shit that Hollywood puts out. Uh, very intense movie in that respect. Uh, Mel Ferrer's in it from Nightmare City. We talked about before and eaten alive. And The Visitor, <laughs> those of you who like that. Uh, Arthur Kennedy's in it from films like The Sentinel, Let's Sleep in Corpus Live, Rico the Mean Machine, Emmanuel on Taboo Island. George Kolaris is in it from Horror and Snape Island, also known as Tower of Evil, Blood from the Mummy's Tomb, No Blade of Grass, Alita Folly's in it from Inferno and Suspiria, at least in the Devil, Anita Strenberg's in it. Um, you know, it's a good, good film. And I never hear anybody mention it, or if they do mention it, they just kind of mention it as like a cast. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever, There's, this film existed. No, this is a good film. It's one of the better occult horrors out there, especially if you're looking for his films involving you know, possession of some sort. Uh, and exploration of various, I, mean, I hate to say religions, more like um, occultic traditions, folk traditions, whatever the hell else. Really, really good film. Uh, that's all i got to say about that. And then, a couple years later, he does another one that's kind of cheesy. It's more like The Omen this time, which is uh, Holocaust 2000. Adolfo which Stelly's I like. Movie. I like that. I, I like, like that Masio Fashi, that's the guy who I was thinking about from the Camel film before, the, the Italian guy that's kind of skinny with the, the beard. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned him, and I forget what we are talking about, Lindsay or something. Uh, Jungle Holocaust, who's in uh, Investigation of Citizen Above Suspicion, stuff like that. Kirk Douglas is in it. Doesn't Yeah, yeah, he chews the scenery, but not as much as usual, I think. Simon Ward's in it from the Monster Club, Zulu Dawn. Dominique, when we were doing the Slap and Tickle films. Dan Curtis's Dracula. Quest for Love with John Collins. Uh, Agostina Belli's in it from Night of the Devils. We had talked about that. Uh, and The Eroticist, uh, which was the uh, Fulci film, The Revolver. Uh, Anthony Quayle's in it. You know, those of you like your British films. Um, not by any means on the level of the Antichrist, but a fun little film. You know, it's, a, it's an apocalyptic, you know, like I say, like Omen 2 sort of a thing. Um, I found it entertaining. I, I, I liked it a lot because, uh, yeah, it's it's one of actually the later period Kirk Douglas's best film roles, I always thought. And um, Simon Ward was... Good, but you know, you know, you put Kirk Douglas in, in in any movie, and if you don't have somebody like on the lines of a Burt Lancaster to Burt to bounce off of, you know, like another personality. Yeah, but for like me, that. Kirk chose the scenery a lot, which okay, I like him. That's not a problem, but you know, here at everything much. But yeah, yeah, no, in this one he didn't, and it's a very interesting movie where he 
he sires a son. Yeah, he's a he's this worldly guy, and he sires he's a good guy, and he sires a son. And then some shit happens, which is actually a little bit occultic, and it's sort of like so is the son. So it's like the Italian version of the Omen, but with a little bit more because it's Italian, of course, a little bit more creepiness, creepy shit going on in there. Well, and the then, original the, Omen had a part Italian cast and crew on it, so it wasn't that yeah. bad. Later ones got kind of cheesy, so that's true. Yeah. But I thought I thought as 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 uh, Holocaust 2000, also known as the Chosen, and probably a few other titles, um, as it went up to speed, as it as it reached its climax, it actually got more and more bleak until the end of the film yes. just got totally like, okay, we're watching an Italian movie. <laughs> and, that's, and that's one thing too. A lot of these movies is there's the cloak of despair hangs over these things. Yeah, we were just talking a moment ago about oh, Antichristo. We were talking about the burial ground. Yeah, it's That's the big the, difference. I mean, yes, in 70s film, cult film, you see a lot of darkness no matter where you go. In England, for sure. In the U.S., yeah. wherever. But if you really want to get something that's like a bleak friggin' ending after a really roller coaster, entertaining, crazy, sleazy ride, go to the Italians every time. There's a reason that Italian cult cinema is my go-to. It's not because everybody said, oh, check out Italian cult cinema. No, it's because it's like this. This stuff is really freaking intense. It's loads of fun. It's ridiculous. And yet... Every time, it's so freaking dark. Not as dark and, as my wife puts it, icky, as the Spanish stuff. Not as <laughs> as the British stuff, but holy shit, yeah. I mean, like you said, this this apocalyptic feeling of doom over your head. Like, oh, you know it's not going to end up well. There you go. So, Well, it was like, and, 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 and just to return a moment, uh, we were talking about that, the Lindsay Nightmare City, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that movie, which is pretty much, you know, if you're in the right mood and if you if you let it take you to places, it's a, an enjoyable, dark little ride. And then the movie ends with like, oh, okay, phew, that was a breezy kind of, it was not such a downbeat thing anyway. And then it's like, guess what? We fucked with you. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. The zombies out of the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. It's and, like, oh, it's all a dream. Oh, that's so nice. But no, we were fucking with you. It's really going to happen now. Yeah, but, exactly. Oh, no. <laughs> um, now, Dimartino, <laughs> the, the last thing he did of any interest, really, was something that they made fun of, I believe, on Mystery Science Theater uh, called the Puma Man, which is really kind of funny and stupid. It's one of the, the times of this thing for a bit where they were doing these sort of pseudo-superhero films. Yeah, they were yeah. really kind of low-budget and inept. Just a guy running around in a cape that gets some kind of dumb power somehow. Uh, this was one with a fellow named Walter George Alton, who still doesn't want to talk about the thing. He's so embarrassed. And uh, Donald Pleasance is in it. Uh, it's awful. It's like 70s television superhero cinema bad, uh, but fun for that because I like that kind of shit. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like wow, this well, is horrible, yeah. it's great. <laughs> and around the same time, he did do Miami Golem. Yes. Which is uh, one of the few movies that the late David Warbeck actually badmouthed. <laughs> Because uh, David Warbeck, you know, to my knowledge, he he never said anything bad about anybody. Um, he freaking hated Laura Trotter, his co-star in Miami Golem. Yep. yep. And I remember him saying, like, she wasn't not even that she was an actress, but she was having sex with people all over the set. <laughs> and 
And you watch this movie, and she's like just a presence. You know, she's like, it's a bad movie. It takes it was shot in the <coughs> southern United States, and it's like, I think David Warbeck was an adventurer. She was some Italian chick, and uh, I don't remember anything about the movie. Why is that? <laughs> it says something right there, doesn't it? <laughs> and I saw it more than once, but yeah. So there you go. So. Uh, then we have Reno Di Silvestro, who, again, this is a guy like Bianchi, where it's like his name is synonymous with sleeve. Uh, he did Women in Cell Block 7 with Anita Strindberg, uh, which right off the bat here, he's starting off with Women in Prison films. That says something. Uh, something called Love Angels, which is probably another Women in Prison film. And in 76, he does his most famous film, Werewolf Woman, uh, with Anik Burrell and Dagmar Lysander. This film, if you haven't seen it, it's unbelievable. It's su- supposed to be some sort of a, I mean, on a certain level, it looks like a feminist empowerment sort of a thing, but it's really just an excuse to see sleazy rapes and this gorgeous naked woman dancing around on a fire and vaguely turning into, like, bad werewolf makeup. Uh, basically, it's like one freaking rape after another, and then she'll go back and turn to werewolf and kill them all. Uh, so on one level, yeah, okay, it's like an revenge thing, and you could call that sort of a, in the same level as like a mid-45, you know, female empowerment, whatever. But is that really female empowerment or is it just, you know, celebrating sleeves? Um, it's notorious and there's a reason for that, but it's eminently watchable if you've got a, I hate to say strong stomach, you know, if you've got tolerance for this kind of like, okay, I'm not going to show this in front of my girlfriend, <laughs> that kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, what did you think of this monstrosity? <laughs> Well, you know, I actually, I, I'm the one <laughs> in my household, I'm the one that's kind of got a low tolerance for, like, rape and, and torture of women. And uh, unless it's done really well. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. Um, no, I really don't like seeing that stuff. I never have. And uh, this movie does have it. Um, it's not one of the more <sighs> abusive... Uh, intolerant films I've seen where, you know, this is like, oh, I can't even watch this. I'm going to have to stop it. And there's just been like a numerous amount of movies I've seen which has that oh, kind yeah, of Rape effect Squad, on Which they changed Rape to something Squad. else. Like, what would they call it now? What, Avenging something or other? I know they put oh, yeah. it on MOD from like Warner Brothers or something. And I was there's like, oh, what's this? I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so you got it, and then you found out what it was. Huh? Yeah, because so they didn't put it out as Rape Squad. They put it out as something else. I'm like, oh, okay, this sounds interesting. Just from the, the little bit of a trailer that I saw, and I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so I, I didn't, it yeah, has its place, I guess. It, I didn't get that effect from this. I just found it was Act like, I didn't know. That's what they called it. Act of Vengeance. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I for the werewolf woman, I... It's haphazard, slapdash. It's mm-hmm. it's it could have been something. I think along the way they decided to just go with it. Yep. So, so you you go from the women in prison films to that to what's he do a Nazi exploitation film and one of the most boring <laughs> ones ever made, deported women of the SS special section with John Steiner. Ooh, you know. There's a level to which these things, even though they're notorious and they're hard to watch and whatever, they're so like – it's almost like watching a train wreck. You're sitting there like, all right, well, I can't really peel my eyes away, and I don't know. Do I enjoy that? Did I just like not believe that I saw it? You know, that sort of thing. 
this one is like, why did I watch this? This was horrible. Uh, <laughs> I think actually Charlie Band put it out on one of his, like, what he calls his grindhouse collection, which means that he had some cheap VHS of it and he didn't bother to clean it up. It's that kind of a film. Like, oh, my God. And, why, and, why, and, and since we like to, like, fuck with people, why is he charging so much money for his bullshit bad print versions of his DVDs? Huh? Out of Gord, those things should be like 50 cents. I mean, not necessarily the full moon pictures, because for a while their full moon did good stuff, and so did Empire before them. Right. Uh, you know, I really enjoy a lot of full moon pictures, as shitty as they yeah, are. I, I certainly enjoy the ones that um, Dave Dakota did. He did a lot of work with them, and he, you know, he is what he is. He went on to do Rapid Heart. I enjoyed Dave Dakota films. They're, they're good, you know, for not what they now. are. But, well, now he's just doing straight up gay stuff with Rapid Heart. But uh, yeah. nonetheless, he did or does entertaining films that fit a formula. Yeah. Okay, you know, they're well shot and everything's cool. Um, okay. yeah, yeah, but, you know, you got these things that Ban put out at some point that he never bothered to clean up and he puts them out as his grindhouse collection. He gets on, he has this little apology, a pre recorded apology on every disc. But yeah, it's like, well, shouldn't you have put this out like a lot cheaper or in a big set or something? You know, what the hell are you well, doing? Well, you know, uh, he's got, he's, first of all, you got to touch upon a point there. Look, we're digressing, folks. He's got elements somewhere, and you know he did put these things. He did distribute these things at some point. So you got some elements there. You could certainly do something like offer us a better print, and don't you know? It, it looks like they're like just port overs from a VHS. Sometimes. They are. They're VHS it's ports directly. Looking. The only one that I say that you know, okay, that wasn't so bad. Is the headless eyes because you knew that wasn't going to look good anyway. You know what the hell? It's headless eyes. Forget it. Uh, you know, bottom feeder crap. Um, who's, but, la- who's left on our, on our Italian sleaze list tonight? Since we went well, over our two-hour point. Yeah, of course we <laughs> did. Uh, well, actually, there's one more film that uh, Del Silvestro did, which was Hannah D, the girl from Vondel Park, oh, yeah, which yeah, yeah. has uh, somebody named Angelo Glass, who was in Rats, by the way, uh, and. Donatello Damiani and Karen Schubert was in it as the mother, the, the drug addicted, uh, wasted mother that's kind of trying to live through her daughter. And I think she's like a prostitute besides everything else. And of course the daughter ends up doing that. Um, really grim movie. It's not entertaining in any respect. Uh, and it just kind of cements his reputation as being a sleazemeister. Now, in terms of who else we have, the important one is Bruno Mattei. Uh, we also said we were going to tackle Sergio Martino just because it was part of it, but he's not really that sleazy. It was just kind of like, well, where can we throw him in? That sort of a thing. So, you know, I, I don't think we have a t- time for, for one. And we got 15 minutes. I would like to not go over that. Yeah, so for, yeah. let's just knock out uh, Matei if we can. Okay. Uh, so first off, this guy, uh, he did back in 1970, he started doing films, but you don't really hear about him until 1977. And tellingly, what does he start off with? A Nazi exploitation film. Uh, yes, folks, this is the evening for these. Uh, so he did SS Girls with Macho Magal from The Beast in Heat. Uh, he did Women's Camp 119, which was not much different. Uh, more of a um, uh, women in prison film, though. Uh, he did a two films with Laura Gemser hosting them, supposedly as their Emmanuel character from uh, Joe D'Amato, but they're really just kind of documentary mondos, uh, Noti Pono do Mondo and Emmanuel and the Erotic Nights, uh, which also featured Gloria Guida at one point. And it has a credit, which I love, and I had to repeat, Katerina Dalin as horny women sitting on dildo chair. <laughs> you should. 
<laughs> That's a sale lot right there. Uh, he actually did another one called Libido Mania and another one called Cecil Perverto Mundo Violento, Perverted right. Sex Violent World. Um, so after he does this lovely uh, <laughs> credit of films here, he does the true story of the nun of Monzo, which is actually kind of watchable for a non-sportation. Uh, Zora Karoba's in it. She's got the lead. Franco Garofalo, who uh, is sort of a regular for him. Uh, and Frank Estapi, who pops up in a couple of his films as well, which is non-sportation films. Uh, it is sort of the... Uh, supposedly a, a real story, but you know it's uh, obviously not. Uh, but the more realistic, uh, traditionally non-exploitation version of the one that he does after this, which was The Other Hell. The Other Hell is a film that you have to see. Uh, it is one of the most ridiculous uh, non-exploitation slash. Um, I guess you could call it sort of a cultic thing because there's, there's like all these manifestations and laser beam eyes and uh, God knows it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, Frank Estapi, Carlo De Mejo's in it uh, from uh, we were talking about Fulci the other week and Franco Garofalo, uh, who's also by the way in Cozzi's Hercules and the Scorpion with Two Tails. Um, it's really hard to describe to be honest with you, but you have to see it. It's like a la carta meets non-exploitation done way wrong. You're sitting there like, what kind of drugs were they doing here? But it's loads of fun. It's really kind of a party film. Uh, and in between this, he does Hell of the Living Dead, uh, which was... Do you remember the other name for this one? Uh, was it Virus? Uh, I'm checking now. I remember this. Well, Margaret Evelyn Newton does that, like we had talked about the other week, uh, the role that Ursula Andress originated in uh, Mountain of the Cannibal God, where she like, yes. eats herself to the natives or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Franco Garofalo again. It's basically this one crosses the plague fear sort of a film, uh, kind of like uh, what you call it, uh, Nightmare City did as well. With the zombie film, with fears about like the third world, basically. So he's throwing some like sort of Earth's politics in there. Uh, there's these really bizarre atmospheric settings that really kind of aren't a third world. Like they go into this abandoned village with an old school, and there's a priest there, and then the zombies come in and start like grabbing through the window. It's just a messed up, stupid zombie film that's loads of fun. Um, I actually it's not had bad, it. Right? Yeah, it's not yeah. bad, I thought. Yeah. Uh, that one and his later Rats, Night of Terror. I know at one point they had come out together. I think I have separately still. Yeah, that, uh, I really? That. Oh, I love Rats. Jaretta uh, <laughs> Jaretta, who was in Demons, and Massimo Va- uh, Vani from Zombie 4 and Zombie 3, and, and Giselle Glass, who we just mentioned, was in Hannah D. Uh, this film is unbelievable. It's a post-apocalyptic film that it's hard to describe other than just to give away the fact that the rats have mutated and become like, you know, walking people and they've taken over the earth, kind of like Planet of the Apes. Unbelievable. They're, they're wandering around this sort of a ghost town, Western type city. Uh, and they're all supposed to be like, you know, it's post-apocalyptic movie. So they're all like punk rockers or whatever the hell, uh, all this stupid infighting going on, abandoned buildings, uh, mutations, labs, you know, like med scientist labs. I thought it was loads of fun. I love this film, but you hated it. So, hey, uh, Lindsay films are like that. You either love them or hate them. Um, 
he did a couple of films with uh, Laura Gamzer, and I don't just mean those two Mondo things he did, uh, but they're both some of her sleaziest films. And this is coming from somebody that worked with Joe D'Amato and did films like Emmanuel in America. So these are her sleaziest films, Violence in Women's Prison yeah. and Women's Prison Massacre. Uh, I forget which one was worse. The one that was called Blade Violent was the nastier one. I forget which uh, – oh, that was Violence in Women's Prison. Um the one is yeah. like they're both women in prison films. One is I hate to say more erotic, but it's a little less more toned down. And the other one just gets nasty. Um, Gabriel Tinty's in it because he was always you know he was involved and married with uh, Laura Gamzer, so he showed up in a lot of these things. Uh, Carlo DeMejo was in Women in Prison Massacre. So was Frank Estapi and Lorraine DeSalle from uh, we mentioned her earlier, uh, and she was in Diodato films and so forth uh, with Giovanni Lombardo Radice. Um, and she was also in that uh, Madness for Constantinople Massacre that I mentioned before, Fernando DeLeo with Joe Del Sandro. Uh, and in the other one, you have Gamzer Tinti and Lorraine DeSella again. So basically, they all share the same cast, but there's a big change in tone. Was DeSella the uh, warden in both films, or was she not in one of them? Because I get the impression they switched. Like, okay, here's your warden, and here she's an inmate or something. Um, I think she's just in Blade Violet. Yeah, well, no, really? You sure she's not in both? I thought she was in both here. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the trick is, it their nasty tone, especially played violent. Um, he did some other films after that. He did a film called Scalps, but it's not the one you know. That's the Fred Ray film with the uh, the Indian Curse, Zombie Three, which was one of his most entertaining films, which is also. Uh, Partly directed by Fulci, and as I understand it, partly directed by the fellow that did Troll 2, called I forgot. So, uh, him and Matei tend to work together a lot, so who knows how much of whose is what. Uh, Durant Serafian was in it, Beatrice Ring. Uh, I actually Alba like Popper. this movie. I actually like this movie, actually. Lucio Pagazzi was in it, but apparently they cut out his scenes. Uh, Massimo Vanni was in it, the two stunt guys. Loads of fun. Um, after that, does he even do anything? Oh, yeah, because then he did... I'm trying to find... Flip around my list here. He did a couple of films recently, actually. He, had a he did He did a couple of mov- movies recently. Uh, he actually... Uh, 2000... Between 2004 and 2009, he went to the Philippines, of all places. Yes. And he shot two zombie films. Um, Which were both pretty good, actually. I, I have both the songs and I enjoyed them. Yeah. Says a lot. Um, and then he did something which I haven't seen. And um, um, actually, I'm hoping actually to get her on a show since she worked with Matai. And maybe one day we can actually talk to this woman. She worked with him on like four or five movies. Yeah, Yvette is on, uh, I think it was. Yvette is on. Yeah, she did something called Amazon Jail, which is like a throwback to these Italian women in prison films. And, and right. from what I can tell, it's like really out there. Yeah, and uh, she did that. She did those two zombie films. I think one was called like Zombies at the Beginning, and the other one was... Zombie the Hell of Something? Uh, yeah, something like that. Zombie, there, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, they were both loads of fun. And then she wasn't in him, but he did two... Actually, did a couple of horrible films. He did something called Snuff Killer, which was just unwatchable. And then he did two films that I got, was so disgusted with, I gave them to you. So I don't know if you've seen them yet. Uh, they were like Cannibal Holocaust knockoffs. 
So he says, you know what? Let me redo <laughs> Diodato's Oh, are those Mitai? Yes. Oh, I haven't gotten to them yet. Okay. They're awful. Good luck with those, uh, especially if you hated uh, Cannibal Holocaust even more than I do, which says something. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I, I, oh, yeah? Uh. Yeah. Who knows? You know, because remember, it's it's more recent, so I doubt he's going to be, like, cutting animals up or whatever, but it's, they, they were gross. They were bad versions of Cannibal Holocaust. Uh, yeah. Um, and then he basically died off. So he was trying to make this sort of a comeback in making junky shot on video sleaze films at the end of his life. It was almost like he had a uh, comeback because people had recognized his films after years yeah. of being forgotten, you know, throughout the eighties, nineties, whatever. Uh, well, the name is recognizable, and 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 those those zombie movies aren't half bad. No, the zombie movies were actually enjoyed. Those two I would yeah. actually recommend to people. Uh, zombies the Beginning and Island of the... Whatever the hell it was. Island of the Zombies or something. Island uh, of the Zombies, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just look up the one. Chances are if you go on Amazon, you'll find the other one pretty easily. Um, I think that's our show for tonight. That's it. So yeah. what was your take on Matei as a whole, though? Since we didn't really... I, 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 I found him... Uh, like some of these other guys, he was workmanlike. I think... He didn't have a style, hence why he made, you know, he made movies in the Diamato mode, he made movies in the Fuji mode. But, you know, like uh, like a few of these people we discussed tonight, there were some times where he hit gold. Um, yeah. Zombie, Zombie 3 is ridiculous and absolutely <laughs> brain-boggling, mind-boggling, but brain-boggling as well. And it actually works, and it's very entertaining, and... Uh, you like rats. I don't like rats, but uh, um, he also did a couple of other bizarre things we're not even talking about, like Shocking Dark, which is like his version of a no-budget uh, ripoff of The Terminator. You remember that? <laughs> I never even saw it. <laughs> I didn't and then it. there was Alien 5, which had another bizarre subtitle, which was like his version of like Aliens. It was shot in a garage or something. I don't know. Or on the ground tunnel. I don't know. So he, he, he kept knocking out things. Those were in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And he, gets, yes. he kept knocking out things that you're hoping to, like, you know, you throw shit against the wall. It's going to stick at some point. But I just think, you know, <laughs> they weren't good. So, you know, it didn't happen. For me, he is like Claudio Fregazzo mixed with Umberto Lenzi. He's got a little bit, I hate to say more talent than Fregazzo, but uh, his films are more consistently entertaining. And yet, like you said, they're kind of workmanlike. He's certainly not top tier. um, But, you know, chances are if you like this kind of stuff, you will get a kick out of his films. So I always had a soft spot for Matei, and I still do. Um, Yeah. So that's basically our Italian Sleeve show. I don't know that we rehabilitated anybody, but hopefully we give you a different perspective on a few of them and maybe recommend a few films that may or may not be worth looking into depending on your tolerance for really freaking sleazy films and often very distasteful subjects. You know how many of them went into Nazi exploitation. Uh, that wasn't deliberate. That's just where they all went. That's um, where they all went. Yeah, and where else, folks, can you get 140 minutes of prime juicy stuff like this huh where where <laughs> that's exactly it uh so next week uh we will be talking anime and hentai classic anime and hentai i should yes, say yes it'll uh, be interesting 
So, yeah, we'll be working our way through, you know, I, I'll barely touch on stuff from the early 60s, stuff like Astro Boy and Gigantor and all that, through uh, the good stuff that came in in the 70s, stuff like, you know, uh, Yamato, Star Blazers, Gatchaman, Battle of the Planets, Macros, Robotech, and then moving into when it really became a concern in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, things like Mospita, Megazone 23, Dirty Pair, Bubblegum Crisis, uh, or say Yatsura, Ranma, Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, and then going right on up to you know, stuff like Evangelion, and of course all the uh, stuff like Urusoki Doji, Angel Darkness, and you name it. Uh, if you were into the old days when anime was sort of uh, a culty thing and, and some recorders looked down on, uh, I know the reason I hooked up with my wife in the first place is because she was one of the few women I could talk to that was like not like much younger than me or uh, whatever that was even willing to talk anime without laughing. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, things have changed a lot, folks. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the uh, the glory days, if you will. And, of course, they changed for the worse because now it's, now it's popular. It all kind of sucks. Now that's another story. Uh, we'll be talking classic anime and hentai. So uh, any yes, closing yes. words? Yes, expect another long fucking show. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not deliberate. It just keeps happening. No, uh, I know, I know. We, yeah, we, 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 just, we just go. We, things, these things take a life on their own. And then... We we're having fun, and we're, we hope we're being informative, and we hope we're entertaining, and uh, that's what it's all about. Um, and yeah, um, when you listen to these shows live, they're about two hours, and uh, if they suddenly cut off on you, just please go back and listen to the whole thing, because yep. that's what you're listening to now. That's it, and to keep appraised of the upcoming shows and news and delays and everything else that happens, uh, please do follow us at uh, weirdscenes1.wordpress.com, or if you don't mind the Facebook choke for pay issue, you can also follow us at Facebook at uh, weirdscenes1 uh, slash wordpress, uh, no, sorry, uh, slash uh, facebook.com. Uh, but I do recommend you follow us at the WordPress, because yeah. we don't choke you for pay. <laughs> you will actually get all the posts that way. Uh so that's it, and we will see you next week talking anime and hentai. We'll see you next week. Take care.
Planning a spring break getaway? Well, with the Capital One Venture Card, you earn unlimited double miles on any purchase you make today and every day. And those miles add up to get you closer to that trip to paradise. Every vanilla soy latte, double miles. Every time you pump gas, double miles. Even when you buy a set of Monogram Beach Towels, yep, double miles. You earn unlimited double miles on every purchase, and then you go. The Capital One Venture Card, the card that takes you there. What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USA N.A.